Welcome back, Red Spotters! There's a bug on my computer. Hold on, what is that? Okay. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to this wonderful podcast here on Red Spotlight. I'm your host, Alexis Soto, joined by Alexis Moreno and Kyle Lira. This is the first time we're on a podcast together, just the three of us in a while, and Alexis has a question. What number is this? Uh, this is episode number 396. Okay. Yes. 396? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. That's, Somebody's got okay. time on his hands. 396. Um, I mean, I did say years ago to have a podcast out once a week, right? And I feel we've been keeping to that promise for a couple of years now, so I'm pretty uh, happy about that. Episode 396, today we're discussing Obi-Wan Kenobi, the new show on Disney+, Plus, brought to us, or, yeah, brought to us by Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy, Deborah Chow, of course, returning Ewan McGregor, and a whole bunch of other people. That's basically it today. We're not going to get into Stranger Things just yet. Um, we're going to do Obi-Wan and Star Wars. I feel Star Wars is enough for a whole episode. We'll also discuss Star Wars Celebration. Question question are you waiting until uh the latter half of the season shows up in, in not particularly no not particularly i just wanna i, I don't want to be here for three hours let's just be real okay that when that was star wars we want to keep it to a two-hour podcast right kyle that was what you asked me you want to you want to be running up that hill you know you're you're okay i get the reference i appreciate it uh-huh. but um you asked yeah, of me I, that whenever you are on a podcast to keep the two hours, if yes. I keep Stranger Things in, it will not be two hours. Yeah. So I am Plus acquiescing to your I request. Seen it, so. Exactly. Okay. So, all right. You see, everything solves itself out in the it, end. It does. And, yes. You know, <laughs> I, something happened in the other room, but it's we okay. will also be discussing Star Wars Celebration today and whatever news came out of that, and then also some of our favorite or least favorite things that came out of that whole ordeal. And then, of course, Alexis is here to discuss her recent tour of Universal Studios. Uh, we should also mention she made an appearance there, uh, and she <laughs> has apparently uh, a annual pass holder that she brought back as a souvenir. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she will keep paying for it. A souvenir. Right. That is our show today, of course. As always, before we begin today we want to remind you of course of turn to page the harry potter book club ish podcast that also dabbles into the movies of course hosted by uh kyle lira uh created by alexis moreno guys what are you into right now and what's coming up next on the podcast uh well we're gonna pull a double shift on the next uh on the next one we're gonna record the next eight chapters, I think, I believe. So that's uh, right now we're covering Chamber of Secrets. We just got done with Sorcerer's Stone. So that's fun. Um, by the way, guys, if any of you guys hear a nasty cough, I, um, I'm i recovering from COVID right now again. <laughs> so, <laughs> so apologies. All apologies. <laughs> Kurt Cobain says... Yes. I'm sorry, I'm just laughing at Alexis's face. Like, are you kidding me? Somebody's knocking on the door behind me? They dropped so loud. <laughs> oh my god. Hold on. Hey, we're used to it, right? I mean, 
<laughs> Go ahead, Kyle. You were saying about your ordeal. Yeah. So uh, if you hear me <laughs> coughing or doing any of the sort, yeah. Um, let me think. Yeah. So we're gonna be doing eight chapters, eight roughly eight, eight to nine chapters for the next uh, few podcasts. So that's gonna. Are be... you saying eight to nine chapters per episode? No, uh, no, four, four <laughs> that's four. a lot. No, <laughs> yeah, I know. At that rate, we'll finish the book. <laughs> um, <laughs> in like two seconds. In no, like two we seconds. only do like four, four to five chapters. Well, I'm kind of making it so that we each say a chapter, so I like divide the episodes that way. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that's that's going on right now with uh with two to pay uh, two to the t- to the table. <laughs> Excuse me. This is the wrong show, Kyle. Are you okay? Is this COVID brain? <laughs> What's happening? this is COVID brain? Yeah, confusion is a symptom. So, <laughs> um, wrong show. It's a couple of times already in this like in the span of ten minutes you've lost where we're at to page. Um, <laughs> Turn to page, okay. Um, so yeah, we have all that stuff coming up. I've got my Potterheads here. Uh, so as a point of curiosity, have either of you checked out the latest Fantastic Beasts film, which is right now streaming on HBO Max? Yes. <laughs> um, I on, literally Alexis. can't tell you what happened. <laughs> Sounds about right. I was so confused. <laughs> and then David watched it recently. I had to ask him. I was like, did you understand what was happening? And he goes, yeah, it, it was weird. But yeah, I think so. I think I understood it. That's very reassuring. Yeah, I, maybe. <laughs> oh it's a maybe. <laughs> it, yeah, I don't know. It was... Yeah, I just feel like somebody else has to see it in order for me to talk about it because I, I don't know. Oh, so somebody who understands it, yeah, <laughs> an interpreter, if you will. Um, Yikes! I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, maybe I just wasn't paying attention that much, but I really tried. Wow! I would, yeah. Sounds like Damn. you. Sounds like you tried. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the Fantastic Beasts movies. I I don't think you should be spending any. Uh, I any, will say though, any brain that- power, <laughs> any brain power on these movies that it needs to be. So, I will say that I did watch the the uh, first two before watching that one, just because I couldn't remember what happened either. <laughs> um, yeah, but the second one has really good scenes, like. Like the the opening scene, yeah. Like the opening scene, I think is really good. Like when uh, Grindelwald is like Nagini is... actually being an Asian woman. Um, the end, the beginning scene was really good, where Grindelwald was running away, and honestly, the saving grace of that movie was Johnny Depp. <laughs> Amen. You know what? Yeah. Yeah, he was the best part of that movie. You know what? We talked about this a few weeks back, Alexis. Uh, Kyle was not here. Um, we had talked about the trial in layman's terms, more or less. And, you know, I don't want to weigh down the entirety of this podcast with that topic. But 
a verdict has been reached and it was a pretty massive event. And it's kind of unfortunate, not the verdict itself, all depending on your point of view, but it's really From unfortunate. point of view. The, um, the other stuff surrounding this trial that maybe we didn't even address. Because last time, yeah. look, it is no, without question, there are a lot of sexists out there that are very happy that a woman went down. As, yeah. as as hard as this jury did, which was a surprise, right? So Johnny Depp uh, was awarded ten million dollars, I believe, and then Amber Heard got uh, two million. That was the the whole thing. Um, Johnny Depp was able to prove more of his side than she was. She barely got anything that she was able to prove. So that was how it came down. And it was pretty much a decisive win for Johnny Depp over Amber Heard. Um, it was without question that. Um, the entire time of this entire trial and even after the fact that there were a lot of sexists that were getting off on Amber Heard, like losing and her name being wrung. Yeah, the, that's not the mud. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's that. I just think that like regardless of like. Not regardless of who won, because like it, uh-huh. it does like it is important to well, talk can we say about who won? it, like, you know, who, but, who really won here? Like, OK, like, yeah, I, I feel like but, more like, people what lost What I'm trying won. to say is like it. She was also abused in a way, yeah. and so was well, he. And it's yes. like just because he won, it's like oh, she didn't. She like did everything, and he's like he didn't do anything. You know what I mean? Let's like, be clear about what this what verdict. This verdict really much. I think what did make it clear was that Amber Heard was not being an honest actor through the entirety of this entire happenstance. Right? What was basically proved was. The truth was very much exaggerated on her part, as was his, with at least some of the aspects that that his legal team was trying to prove of hers. Again, read the whole verdict and everything. What it means is Johnny Depp was able to stop the bleeding in his career. And I think, as I mentioned in the last podcast, that this trial has done a lot of good to really um, turn his name around in the court of public opinion in that case. With Amber Heard, I I don't feel bad for her too much in terms of the the circumstances that happened or the particulars of this trial. Uh-huh. What is rather unfortunate is all of the stuff surrounding it because you have a whole bunch of like odious people that are trying to like attach themselves to this verdict yeah. and like spread their own propaganda and their own narrative that is fueled by hate that shit like the republican party like tweeting out like a gif of jack sparrow when like johnny depp won the verdict like what the just just because a man like beat a woman yeah wrong choice of words yeah (laughs) rephrase a little bit i think because johnny depp won over amber heard in this verdict uh, they were celebrating. It's like it's pretty unironic how they come across as so anti-woman. Yeah, woman lost, like, and they don't seem to like realize how bad that looks. They kind of revel in it at that yeah. point. Yeah, I, I like people who are posting about it and like it's like yeah, Johnny. I don't know. I just feel really icky about it. Like the because uh, it, it's not good. Like it's, and I, I'm not saying that uh, like he should have lost, but like. I think, like, what I said before, like, both of them did damage to each other. Like, it wasn't... None of this is okay. I don't know. It was it, it was a very toxic relationship that blew out of proportion very fast, especially within the public eye. 
you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying like who's, who's better and all that stuff because both of them fucked each other up pretty badly, you know, and yeah. let's be real with that. Um, the only irksome thing I have about this whole thing is yes, there is the sex, sexism, like when Harvey Weinstein, you know, uh, uh, Kevin Spacey, when they, were accused of the Bill, you know, uh, Bill Cosby, what, you know, you name it. When they went through their whole, uh, ordeal and, and all the accused, there was not one ounce of hate that was, uh, directed at them in comparison to the fraction of what was, uh, bestowed upon Amber Heard, which I think is unrightfully, you know, uh, you know, unrightful in in this whole situation and like i i i feel like you have a lot of misogynistic um seriously uh, uh, interpretation. a lot of people just they and, get off on seeing a woman being kicked down and, and they just go for yeah. the kill it feels like this is like it it to me i feel like this is uh i i not euphoric what's i i okay i'm gonna use that term it's euphoric to those who oppose the whole Me Too um, uh, uh, stance to begin with, and it feels like yeah. it's it, it it's levied levied against the whole Me Too ordeal, you know. And they're and they're using this as a crux, and you know, uh, as as a vehicle of their own uh, like misogynistic hate, which I am not a fan of. Like, n- you never see any murals of like. Harvey Weinstein, like the most heinous, like ugly looking murals. Like I've seen people paint murals of Amber Heard, you know, uh, and mm-hmm. painting her as, you know, a disgusting figure. I mean, she is. I mean, they both are. They both are. I'm going to be real, you know, mm-hmm. you know, as a once, as a once proud Johnny Depp stan, you know, I, you know, even I could admit that, you know, He's pretty disgusting. He's pretty disgusting. But also, guess what? So was she, you know, kind of thing. So, um, but the way that everybody like paints Amber Heard in this light and all that stuff, and it's just, it's really disgusting. And, and yeah, I think like Amber Heard definitely deserves some hate, but like what's going on with her particularly is far beyond well, any of the stuff that is pertaining to her. As we've mentioned, what you're saying basically there, Kyle, is the right wing has kind of hijacked the verdict of this trial and used it to discredit the whole Me Too movement. Basically saying, never believe women, don't stand up, shut up, keep in your place, trying to turn back the clock on the progress in these last five years, which is what they always do. And not only that, but this this goes beyond a a domestic uh, violence trial. Far beyond that, yeah. By and large, this is a defamation trial. It has nothing to do with the domestic... uh, domestic abuse uh that happened behind you know closed doors uh and the whole use of defamation i feel won't bode well in the justice system of america now let me tell you why because a lot of people see oh this like for example kyle rittenhouse you know that motherfucker is using this as fuel to go after, <laughs> right. to go after those who uh, correction that murderer. Yes, I uh, who you know, and I I feel like this is gonna be used. Um, and let me let me tell you something that that's really worrisome to me. Those that are you know are looking to uh, to seek vengeance and revenge 
using the justice system. Uh, let me tell you, they're writing down notes. They're writing, they're taking notes of what was used in this case, and they're going to apply it to their case. Is that you know is out there, and I find that most, I find that more disturbing than just seeing celebrities, you know, get their due, you know, due diligence. You know, at the same time, I want to acknowledge though, I did find it particularly disgusting. Um, a lot of the statement, or the statement that Amber Heard released, basically saying trying to hide behind the Me Too movement as the reason for why she lost uh, in court. And the whole vibe that I get from her is like she's trying to, d- to deflect all of the toxic behavior she's clearly exemplified and say, well, I'm a woman and I'm being attacked because I'm a woman. And in, in a lot of circles, yes, that's true. But I feel like she's not really – well, based on like what we saw here, I'm not getting this the vibe of a person who's like – that feels that she was at fault for anything mm-hmm. yeah. and she's using a movement to hide behind them. And I don't think yeah. that's good. Especially something like the Me Too movement where it could cause so much damage to other people when it's trying to change a lot. I don't know. Yeah, it, so it that, that's why, like, very, yeah. very icky. <laughs> like, Amber Heard's not the best ambassador for this, and I don't feel particularly bad for her, anyways. You yeah. know, I mean, the court stuff, the other stuff that's not, you know, fair. Obviously, there is that. So it was just a, it's a whole mess of things, and really, um, it just feels like every time we try to take a step forward, the right is able to just come up with some bullshit reason and take us five steps back mm-hmm. for every issue that's going on here. Um, Honestly, I with this whole court case, I could give zero fucks about it. Um, yeah. I mean, it doesn't affect us, really. You know, where's gun reform? That's what we should be talking about. Yeah, <laughs> right now in happen. this country, but... Oh, well. It's never going to happen unless you remove the corporate interests, which won't happen. So there's that. Uh, kids will continue to be murdered and mutilated. We'll cover it on Wasn't TV for a couple of days. Another, uh, yeah, a couple in of Philadelphia. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they'll be made. I mean, I don't want to say anything too graphic here, but um, this country's fucked up. Anyway, with a lot of different reasons. Uh so yeah, it's been a. It's been a couple of uh, really interesting weeks, hasn't it? Anyway, there was that. Now, getting back to the Harry Potter of it all, Moreno here had a what rather... A uh, <laughs> you know, right? Because um, it involved Johnny Depp. Moreno had a rather, um, what it seemed to be, religious experience at, when she returned to uh, Universal Studios and the Wizarding World um in los angeles so alexis um if you'd like you can go ahead and talk about um what you did over there (laughs) at los angeles (laughs) this is your first time since you've returned since this is the first time i went to universal since i want to say like 2011 so when you went there was no wizarding world Oh no! They were barely like they were barely in talks of like potentially. Have you been to a Wizarding World before this? No, 
Oh, okay. Like so last time I went, they were barely talking about making a Wizarding World. Like it wasn't okay. like a for sure thing. Um, they were. So how barely... was it, Alexis? It was <laughs> a lot of fun. Um, yeah, pretty much everything except maybe like the mummy ride is new was new for me. Everything mm. else was like completely different. Like even like the entrance and like like everything was just so different. Um. And, I mean, it's kind of cool because, like, I at least remember, like, you know, the last time that I, like, I was old, obviously, like, old enough to remember, like, the different things that are, that have changed. Like, I feel like if you, like, go to Disneyland when you're, like, younger and then you go now, like, you're going to be like, oh, I don't remember anything, so it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so it was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, like the whole Simpsons area, that's completely changed. The food there is so good. Mm. I, I have to say, like, I, we ate, um, like Chinese food that's like by the entrance. Yeah, that was not good. It was disgusting. But we had some nachos, uh, cause we were gonna wait in line for the, um, the tour thing and we got some nachos at the Simpsons place. Um, they were so good. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they were really good. Um, but yeah, we did that. Uh, the tour, I mean, the only thing that was different was like that they don't have the mummy thing. Mm. Um, and it's the, the fast and the furious thing, which is, which is cool. I feel like it was, it's longer. If I'm not mistaken, then the I think it thing. should be at least like 60 minutes. Or no, like maybe 40 minutes long? I don't know. Well, we didn't go through a lot of the areas. Like, we didn't go through, like, the neighborhood area, like, where they have the um, Desperate Housewives stuff. And mm. then we didn't go through the city area because they were having events there. Mm. Um, well, events. <laughs> um, but we did everything else. And then um, it was also cool because I went with somebody who, who was their first time going so like At when all? the tour yeah, so like the tour stuff, um, when we go into like the like the King Kong area and all that stuff, like it was kind of cool because I got to see like her reaction and stuff, um, and then after that, I think we did Jurassic World, which um, you I got on the right, I did, okay. and I got on by myself. <laughs> Oh my god. Because. Oh my god. Yeah. I was so scared. I was. Okay. So, what happened was we were going to wait in the line, but the line literally, where when we were got in line, it was like at the end, like no more space for more people. Wow. Yeah. And so we were like, um, single writers. So we went, we waited like 15 minutes. Also, people need to fucking read. Um,. <laughs> This couple in front of us <laughs> got mad and started yelling at the workers because they wanted to get on together. It's a single rider line. Like, and they left. It's 2022. Who has not heard of a single rider line? If you go with, well, you know what? Look, there are a lot of dance people out there. Yes, they should have read. But, I mean, the name says it's single rider line, and it's a lot shorter than the what I would imagine like three you, hour you really standby think that line. You're gonna wait fifteen minutes to kill this right? Are you gonna sit wherever you want? No. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, okay, so you guys all went fifteen minutes. Damn, I wish I would have had that. 
Yeah. That's a great ride. And I, I So I got on and... But it was funny because um, I went with three other people and mm-hmm. the three other people got on the same boat together and they ended up like switching with people. So they mm. got to sit together, but I went on a separate boat. So I was, <laughs> I was, I was so scared. You have no idea. And like I sat down and there was a family of four next to me or three. I don't oh, know. Oh God. And the the dad was sitting next to me and I literally turned to him and I'm like, I'm so sorry if I get close to you, but I am literally terrified right now. And he's like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> there are a lot of reasons to be afraid, but just in case anybody that, who is listening forgot, Alexis is a known, um, she has a, a phobia Animatronics, of animatronics. Yeah. That's and one dinosaurs. of the phobias. Which and is, then dinosaurs. Is which thing. is like, what the fuck? Especially because like she's a huge Disney nerd and shit. Like well, that. with this and case, it's it's animatronics and dinosaurs, yeah. which are two phobias she has. Um. So I got through the first part. Okay. Uh, the water, like the the one that's in the water, that was fine. Once you we got the music, into the, the the John Williams music, though, you hear that? Yeah. But once we got into the the dark area, no, my my eyes were shut the entire time. I I don't know what happened. Did what? What did you feel? Oh, happen? you know what? I did open my eyes when it was really cool. Like, but it, like it gives me chills. Like when I think about it. But um, the part where like the whole dinosaur came out, mm. like the like the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, I opened my eyes there, and I was like, okay, cool, bye. <laughs> um, it just it's too real. No. So um, what was it like dropping into that dark pit uh, with all the dinosaur sounds around you? Um, I was like this. I was literally like this. So oh I don't know. <laughs> and how was the drop? Had, did you at least um, have a thrill of the drop? Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I think that the, the splash on one is more intense, right? Well, because they, they amp it up. Um, and I think it is. But... um. Did you get waterboarded here or no? No, I did not. <laughs> I was safe. And I took a, um, what's it called? Uh, a poncho this time. Oh, you, you came prepared. Okay. Yeah, I did. <laughs> that was a traumatic event for you, wasn't that it? That was, The first yeah. Flash Mountain. <laughs> but oh I saw God. them in the back, so I was like, I think I'm good. I think I'm okay. <laughs> oh, man. Um, And then we got on uh, the mummy ride, like, three times because we did single wow. riders um so that was that i forgot how much fun that was like i knew i knew that that one was really fun i forgot that it went backwards uh, but yeah that one was really fun and then the transformers ride is really cool um how, the only how, thing is how does that work it's it's i mean I, the only thing i can compare it to is basically ratatouille but you guys okay. haven't been on it so I mean, no, we've I've, seen I've videos seen. of how yeah, it yeah. works. It, it's basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing is, I mean, and I have the same complaint in the Ratatouille ride, is I don't like 3D stuff because uh, it gives me a headache. So I just watch without my glasses. Uh, but that was cool. Like the part where um, something like burns and you feel like super hot, like all of a sudden, um, that part was kind of scary. But it was fun. And then... What else did we do? We did the um, Waterworld. That was oh. fun. Yeah, the the girl that I went with, that um, 
she had never been before. She was so excited about that one. She was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And it's just so cool, like, to go with Isn't it amazing how it's, like, Waterworld, I think, to my memory, has to be one of the worst-reviewed movies or one of the biggest, like, box yeah. office disasters of all time. And yet, <laughs> it is still, like, a really great, like, popular, like, show at Universal Studios. It's so good. Yeah. It, yeah. That's, like, always a must when we go. It's so fun. But I forgot how, like, wet you can get if you sit in the wrong area. Oh, my God. Did you get wet? Mm-mm. No, okay. <laughs> but, like, the people sitting on our, like, the very left side, like, the last sitting sitting area. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then there was this guy who, um, this kid was going to get wet, but he didn't want to get wet. And so this guy volunteered in his place. He, like, got, like, a whole, like, water gun. Shot at him in the bucket. It was bad. He was done for. Yeah. He drowned. <laughs> yeah. He got waterboarded. <laughs> Did he have a mask on? Because no. He would have actually no. gotten waterboarded. Yeah. Oh my god. Um. And then masks what else a blessing, but also a curse. <laughs> oh, you know what we did also? Um, it was an okay ride. Um, if you could call it a ride, I don't know. Um. <laughs> The story was really cute, though. Uh, was the Minions ride. There's a Minions ride? Yes, there's a Minions ride. <laughs> so. And Kyle just walked off. He said bye. He? Um, but it's like, how can I explain it? Um, have you ever seen videos of the Mike's laugh thingy? Uh, yeah. Disney World? Okay, uh-huh. have you seen, like, the seating area? Uh-huh. Okay, so it's basically that, but you're, like, in groups of four, or... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, there's four people in one row, four people in the bottom, but it, it looks like that, like, the seating area, kind of, where there's, like, a table in front of you and stuff. Um, but, like, the, the, the sections, they, like, lift up, and then you kind of turn, and it turns into, like, a Star Tours type of thing. Hmm. Um... And, like, the whole concept is that you're being turned into a minion or whatever. Um, but it's really cute because it, it turns out to be, Perfect. like, a cute, like, adoption story. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> An ado- okay. And then at the end, you get turned back into a human. Um, and you you leave the ride and it's, like, a whole dance party. So it's you get fun. unadopted? No. No. Like, the adoption stories with, like, the girls. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's so cute. Um, I don't. I've only seen the first one, so I, I don't know what happens in the rest. There's but, no need to okay. see the other yeah. rest. Of your no, you don't You're have to okay. see the other ones. Um, so that that was cute. And then we did the whole uh, wizarding wizarding world afterwards, and it was so much fun. It was so cool. Okay, I feel like I did hype it up for myself a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, than what it is because I thought it was going to be a lot bigger and there was going right. to be a lot more stuff to do mm-hmm. but it's literally just shops and restaurants which yeah. is fine um, and there is two rides uh, we didn't do the hip that's hip the pool. same with Galaxy's Edge pretty much right yeah. shops, restaurants and two rides yeah Yeah. Um, I would say Galaxy's Edge feels bigger yeah it does than, it than is. Wizarding World yeah um, <laughs> and we didn't do the hip hippo. What's it called? Flight of the Hippogriff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't do that one. I did um, that one. I I forgot why we didn't do it. I don't remember. Um, 
It's but like, we did. Know, it's so funny. Like, you're both, like, in both scenarios, one is, like, an immersive, you know, uh, a world-specific journey, and then the other one, you're riding a vehicle. Yeah. Basically, I love I love the comparison. Um, <laughs> well, tell us about the... Well, first of all, like, tell me the merch. Tell me the merch. Oh, my God. I literally... Because I bought... I went into Wizarding World before I got the ticket because they had a deal or whatever. But I think they have that every time you go. Where, mm. like, if you pay, like... I think we paid, like, $40 more or something and we got the pass. Mm-hmm. Um, so we entered the shops first and, well, first I took pictures of all the outside <laughs> and then we entered the shops as, and as a proper millennial should. Yes. Um, I knew for sure going in that I wanted to get a robe and I wanted a wand. Um, but the robe ended up being like $130. Oh, so God. I was like, you know what? I would just wait for the wand. I'm okay. And that's when I was like, I'm going to get the freaking pass because I'm going to come back. And I'm going to, by the end of my year, I will have my whole Hogwarts getup and I thought you had a whole Quidditch getup and my wand. Weren't you wearing a robe? That's the one I bought. Oh, so you did end up buying it. Uh, Yeah, I thought you said you didn't buy it. Oh. No, yeah, I bought the robe. It's it's so nice. Did you guys like, or did you try it on or did you touch it? Like the robe? He he's not he's not a big Harry Potter fan. I know, so but I like he think... still went. Did you not touch it? I would have touched. I touched everything. <laughs> Did I no? touch a rope? Yeah, yeah no, like I'll, I'll... okay, because it's so nice. Like the oh. material. Like I spilled soda on it, and it like went away. Wow! Like there's no stain on oh, it. Oh, so it's waterproof. Yeah. Well, it it it's made for a uh, foggy old England where it rains <laughs> a lot. So I, I mean, it's, it's got to no, be no. Like it's it's really really nice. Like I put it on, and um, the girl that I went with that has never been, and then my I went with my cousin. They're not like Harry Potter fans at all. Like they actually are scared of the movies. <laughs> and um, I tried it on. They were like, "You need to get it. Like it's it's so cool. It looks so good on you." And blah blah blah. And then I bought like a, a headband as well. Yeah. Um. And then when you open up the the robe, there's like a little spot for your wand. Oh, oh that's cool. I, I I love it so much. Uh, and then, yeah, like everything else. Like I didn't even want to look at the rest of the merch because I'm like, I'm going to end up buying something else and this is too much. <laughs> you know what? I, I want to get a broom. Are there good brooms? I didn't go to the flea market see. right now and get one. N- not no shut up i didn't see the brooms i i just saw um like the normal like school uniform and stuff okay. uh but the one that i really really want or like i will get at a certain point is the quidditch sweater oh like the, okay yeah those are so cool and then i want my ron sweater oh my god <laughs> <laughs> is there um, one with like individual letters like a no it's only h and r Ah, uh, okay. All yeah. Right. At, least w- the, at least that's what I saw. Because I know that there was, like, where I got the robe, there was another room, but I didn't go in there because I'm like, I need to stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, Self-control. Yeah. <laughs> um, And I didn't end up getting the wand for the same reason, but that's okay because 
the next time that I go, for sure, I'm going to get the wand. But I want to do, like, the whole, like, thing where hopefully oh, where I get chosen w- and all that oh, stuff. Oh, the wand chooses the wizard yeah, yeah, yeah. shit and yeah. all the banders. Yeah. Um, and then one of the girls that I went with, she has the interactive wand, so I was able to still, like, use that and stuff. Um, yeah. That that was fun. It, it was because we, when we walk in... There's, like, a door where, like, you stand and there's always, like, somebody there and you, like, move it and it, like, unlocks the door or locks the door or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we walked in, there was, a, a, like, two little kids doing it. Oh, my God. You I cried. almost cried. They, <laughs> oh, my God. It was so... They were so excited and they were just, like... They kept, like, moving it and, like... And, like, when they... Like, actually... Because it moves and it makes noise. Like, that's the only one that makes a noise. Um, but they were, like, oh, my God. It... It was so cute. Um, but yeah, that was what I did. Oh, and then I didn't Any get butter, butter beer. beer. I just got oh. the ice cream. Um, How was that? The ice cream, the ice cream is, is really good. Because I heard that the drink isn't that good. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'll start off with the ice cream. Okay. Um, have you, I, from what I could gather is, is like, if you like cream soda, then it's right up your alley. Well, I never tried. So. I liked it, but it uh, by the end it was like, okay, I think I had enough. It was a yeah. bit too sweet. Uh-huh. I, I could tell that it's going to be like that because of the ice cream. Like, I feel like, because the ice cream was really small. So, I was like, uh-huh. okay, maybe, it, it'll like, this will be good. Um, So, that was cool. And, yeah, like, hearing, like, the, the music when you're walking around there, like, amazing. Okay. Compare that with, like, something like Galaxy's Edge. Do you think oh, Galaxy, no. do you think, do you think Galaxy's Edge needs the Harry yeah. Potter, the Star Wars music? Yeah, because I've been like, saying that for years. It needs the music. It yeah, needs the John the, Williams music. It's it's so stupid that they don't do this. It's so easy. Like, half of the magic is to hear the music when you're walking around. Yes, like, what exactly. The heck? Especially because uh, it's John like, Williams. I literally, yeah, even like I said, like my cousins don't know this, but or like don't know like a lot about Harry Potter, but even they were like, like singing along because it's so like known, iconic. Yeah. yeah, like what the heck? They're yeah, ridiculous. But whatever. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, I will say that like the only thing that Star Wars or Galaxy's Edge has is maybe the cantina, um, but they do have the three broomsticks. I didn't go in there. So maybe that might be a thing. It's, but the thing is, is that like I, how clever is traditional British pub food? You know, because that's what they serve. They serve mm-hmm. British pub food. You know, which is which is fine and hearty and and all that stuff. But like the thing is, is that you have more elaborate, um, elaborate made dishes when it comes to like. Well, I like, would also say uh, from a bottom dollar standpoint. I think you have um, maybe it, it sounds like the stuff that was available to do, like getting a wand and a rope, wasn't anywhere near as atrocious as the amount you would spend with like a droid or a combined with a lightsaber. I honestly, I think, or the is it more is or less the same? I think okay. it's the same. Okay. Because um, I think the robes over there are about the same, if I'm not mistaken. I don't even know if I, I mean that's a good question. I just I, yeah, I would never um, entertain spending that much money on, on that. Yeah, other stuff maybe, but maybe not. Oh, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's I think that's something. Um, Galaxy Sedge does have over this one is the cantina mm-hmm. and the fact that they have two big rides. Um, because I yeah. think that the hippogriff one, I I it it kind of reminds me of Google Gadgets. 
Go it's get- rather throwaway. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the gadgets go coaster. coaster. Um, the gadgets go coaster. Think, yeah. yeah. It's that rather was, throw away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas with I think you can we can make the case that Galaxy's Edge has two e-ticket attractions. Yeah. Um so that and I mean even though they have a few handful of characters walking around, um Harry Potter has none. <laughs> um but I will say that the uh the people who work there and who are dressed up and are engaging with the people so fun so much fun and yeah. like it, like oh my god i think like my favorite fa- one of my favorite parts is like when you're wearing the robes and the the people working there are like oh hello fellow hufflepuff or whatever like or although or they'll be like hmm like annoyed that you're with hufflepuff or something like that oh okay. so so that was really cool um so shout out to the workers there <laughs> but it would the be kind of fun members? to do, like, the... I don't know. It would be kind of fun to see, like, the characters walking around. But I... Oh, like That's not a, something that they do. So, like, it, it kind of is, like, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like a Harry, Hermione, Ron. Yeah. Dumbledore. Ooh, Dumbledore, I think, would be... Yeah. Ooh, you know what would be fucking amazing if they... If Hagrid. They do it? Hagrid, yeah. Yeah. That would be really like, cool. Like, it, it would be cool, but I can forgive them because it's not something that they do. Like, it's yeah. not something that they're known for. Whereas, it's such a huge issue with Disney because it's something that they are known for and they are not doing it. Or seldom they do sh- it. Yes. Uh-huh. So, that I feel like that's a huge, like... Thing. Oh, yeah. And that Star Wars Knights really exposed them. They yeah. got those costumes back there. Put yeah. them on. <laughs> Yeah, like I heard they you got guys, Tuscan I Raiders, you, Ewoks. You can tell that Peter doesn't listen to our podcast because we have mentioned all of this before, and yeah. he was like barely realizing this. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we don't listen to each other. Let's be real, because Kyle mm. probably has no idea what you're talking about. So last time uh, Peter was on here, he did recap um, his Disneyland uh, trip, and. I'm not sure he was expecting for me to agree with all of his points, but yeah, yeah we, we we talked about this at length. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was yeah, like I the whole time I was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then did you hear though? Like, what was oh, pretty what? funny though with him is like he was able to just like get a table at the cantina just by yeah. pure luck of the draw. We yeah. should try that next time. I know we should. My cousin said that she was able to do that too. <sighs> so Damn. next time, the hell. <laughs> I know, right? We, maybe we could have got one. Who knows? We just didn't. Well, who try. knows? You- yeah, we could have. We could have gone. We had to do so much research for all the other stuff. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We like. I could see. Like, you should have seen it. Like when we went, Moreno and uh, and Alexa as were on the bed on their beds, like just like watching videos and like. You know, you could see him taking notes and it's like a war room. You know, trying to like <laughs> you saw trying to like strategize. <laughs> they stre- they stretched out a Disneyland map on it. Like, okay, boys, at seven o'clock we're gonna be <laughs> Hey, I thought it proved successful at the we're end of the day. Going to war. <laughs> um but yeah, uh it sounds like you had a fucking Fucking blast! I you know, I I want to go like it, the only reason why I want to go to Universal Studios now is for Harry Potter. 
Yeah. And and that's pretty much it. I'm not like into the other properties that no, are there. No, I think everything else is is worth it too. Really? Um, obviously, like I'm, you know, Disney does things at a bigger scale, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. but it, I don't know. It's a lot of fun, and it's way cheaper. And you know what? Right now, I feel like Disney is not worth it. <laughs> I think that's a good. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Dang. Um, no, it's, it's the truth. It very much is the truth. It, it's not worth it with all the shit that's going on. Um, so there's that. Um, before let's see what what else did we have here. So that's the Harry Potter stuff. There's a, a turn. I still to have page, the big so. ride. Oh, I thought you. All right. What's the big ride, Alexis? Did you like it? How could I, you not? Oh my god. I had right? the biggest smile on my face the entire time. Oh my god! Like I didn't even know because honestly, I had never seen videos. Just because no. the few that I did see um, mm-hmm. were really dark, so I was like, ah, I'll just, I'll just." Would they even wait. do it justice? Honestly, oh, I don't think absolutely they would. No. not. But even like the 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 lot the queue. Oh yeah, yeah. Also, God, well, I was going to mention this when we do the the other uh, podcast, but um. I was I was gonna send you guys a picture because I was laughing so hard. But right, because when you walk in, because we started, we did the whole line. Um, we did like as soon as like you walk into the castle, that's where the line started, which is totally fine because at least there's air conditioning. <laughs> um, who knew? But yeah, <laughs> who knew there's air conditioning at Hogwarts? <laughs> um, but we start we started off like where it's basically like the greenhouse. Um. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so we start- cool. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, what what was what's her name? Uh, Professor Professor Sprout. Yeah, it's like her classroom, basically. Yeah. Um, Are there any mandrakes? Then, uh, I'm sure there was. I didn't pay attention. Okay. There was just so much to see. Um, like there was. I I'm sure I missed a lot of stuff. It's an amazing queue. It's oh my god! And then when you walk in, like into like the castle, um. They have, uh, they had like little fountains or whatever, and then they had a, a sign with the door that said kitchen, and then you can hear the little elves like working, but it literally looks like a freaking dungeon. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to send you guys a picture because I was dying, but that was so cool. Did you and take a picture like, of the kitchen, or did no, you take a I picture? Didn't. Did you take a picture of uh, the Amazon warehouses? <laughs> <laughs> if you you read the books it's a lot more horrifying yeah um and then you like you get to walk through like the halls and stuff you get to walk through uh dumbledore's office um you get to walk through the um defense against the dark arts room and that's where the the that's where harry ron and hermione come out um amazing there's literally like i feel like i you need to do that like three, four times to be able to see to, everything. Um, I mean, and you have to do like intent, you have right? to do the 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 line when you go. Like if you do single riders, like I'm sorry, but you're yeah. Never will I do single riders for that ride <laughs> because like the it's amazing because like the thing about like Universal Studios that I wish that they would do is like they they have no reverence for the properties that they're using as rides. Um, so there's no like lasting power 
in terms of like what they have you know they're yeah. constantly switching and all that stuff yeah. i love that you feel like that sense of permanence but with- i feel like um i feel like that's wrong though because we all remember the back to the future ride we all remember the et ride yeah. and literally you hear that constantly walking through the park um so i feel like it was a huge mistake even though the the rides that they replaced them with are really cool i feel like it was a huge mistake for them to get rid of those because it's like it's et and it's back to the future like and then i'm pretty sure somehow somewhere along the way the sense and stuff has to go because it's disney now so i don't know yeah hopefully they bring back back to the future that would be kind of fun but i don't think that that's gonna happen um i mean that's what it um simpsons replaced yeah so that's what i'm saying maybe yeah yeah it was so cool did you wait have you ridden the back to the future ride huh did you ride the back to the future ride way back then it's so cool alexis like you rode your own little mini like delorean and stuff like that and like the thing is is that you're going through like different parts of time because Biff, he got a hold of his own DeLorean. So you're oh, trying wow. to. Yeah. So you're trying to go back in time and like and stop him from messing up historical events and stuff like that. So I think that's a. F- that's a fucking. No, not only is that a brilliant concept, but it's just like one of those things that I think it just. Yeah. Like, like it ups the ante. And, yeah. You know, and they're so creative, like with all the. This, like, because obviously they can't have like showrooms all the way on the other you know side the campus is so small you know so they have to like miniaturize a lot of things and like even where you ride elliot's uh uh bike you know in uh in et i think is absolutely brilliant and plus like when you hear universal you know universal studios you know like just the film films you think of back to the future et and and what have mm-hmm. you. So, like, yeah. I mean, when you go to Disneyland, you expect to see Snow White and yeah. Cinderella. I guess, like, for me, it's like, that's a lot of the drawback to Universal Studios. Is that it's really hard to get enthusiastic because there's so much there that I just don't care to do. Uh, Secret Life of Pets, Minions, Kung Fu Panda, or Shrek, Simpsons. I, all of that is just kind of like, okay. I'm sure that that's oh, that's good, but Life I just- Life of Pets I, has a- You need the the thing that um, Rise of the Resistance has had. Oh, a boarding pass? Yeah, you need a boarding pass for that one. So we didn't get on that one. So that was a, that was a little weird. Um, but yeah. And then- Oh- also, the Harry Potter ride is so scary. What the heck was up with that? Like, okay, I need to explain this to Kyle because I need to, for somebody to... Help visualize. Help me understand why I was so scared. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I can't even wrap my head around your uh, animatronic phobia. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, so listen. So the ride... Is basically like Soren. Mm-hmm. So you know how you sit in Soren? Yeah. Like where it's like the four? Okay, so it's like that. But so like you're sitting facing like that way, right? And then imagine that you're that this thing moves like this. 
So you're spinning. Oh, so but, like you're going of, forward. Instead of being still or just right raising up just a little bit to elevate you like going over like a you're you're flying. You're supposed to be flying. So that's why it like looks like that. But you're you're like moving at all angles. Like you're oh, spinning so it's gyrating. I don't know what that means. But sure. I mean, that means like going going around. <laughs> oh, okay, so. yeah. Um Apparently, a lot of people get sick that there's a nursing station right outside of the ride because a lot of people tend to get sick in that ride. Oh, my God. And also, keep in mind that this ride used to be 3D. So, imagine that. No. Mm-mm. Um, but, yeah, you're like, you're running away from uh, the dinosaur or the dragon. I'm sorry. Um, so I'm like, already, dinosaurs. We got already a Harry terrified. World. Already <laughs> terrified. Um you are running away from the spiders. No, I'm done. Um, yeah. And then you're running away from the freaking Dementors. Cool. Yeah. Deceased. No. Do um, they perform the kiss at any time? Yeah. But, okay, so it's like, it's it's screens, but it's also animatronics. An- so Animatronics, spiders, dragon, Dementors. Yeah. And at one yep. point, like, I had my eyes closed most of the time because it's so dark. And when my, the, the girl that was sitting next to me, um, she gets motion sickness. So she and she gets scared of a lot of things. So she had her eyes closed, but she started getting sick. Uh-oh. And she was like, no, like, I need to keep my eyes open or else I'm going to, like, puke right here. She opens her eyes and there's a freaking Dementor right in front of her face. Because you're facing forward. You're facing forward and everything is right in front of you. Literally, like you can reach your arm out and you can touch them. <laughs> it is terrifying. But it's That's so freaking much fun. awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really cool. But it's yeah, too scary. <laughs> like, do not recommend for kids. <laughs> okay. Anything else? Isn't it called Harry uh, Potter's uh, Forbidden Journey or something like that? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> no, it's a world-class attraction. I feel it's like so to me, cool. it really does give um, the best of Disney a run for its money. Yeah. You could tell that this is what pushed Disney to make Rise of the Resistance. Oh, yeah. Oh, because it's, yeah. it's so good. All right, then. Uh, don't forget to tune in to Turn to Page whenever they have new episodes on all of the latest Harry Potter stuff. And I'm so happy, Alexis, you seem to have really rekindled your fandom uh, in a really impossible era to do so, with Harry, at least with the new stuff coming out of Harry <laughs> Potter. But you've done it. You've really done it. So congratulations on that. All right. Great Speaking timing. of attempting to reignite uh, passions and fandoms, Star Wars, anyway... <laughs> Celebration. Star Wars celebration happened uh, last weekend, as a matter of fact. I think it was like three or some days. And um, what what they would prefer people say as news, I guess some news did happen. Quite frankly, the things that I did read, I felt were like, okay, well, this seems like a lot of Things we already knew were happening. I, I, more, albeit this was the official confirmation of several of those things. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think anything came across as too much of a surprise. But Kyle, if you would be so kind as to kind of break down the quote-unquote announcements that were made um, by Lucasfilm. 
Well, there's going to be a new show headed by, of course, Mr. Favreau and Filoni, and it's going to be called The Skeleton Crew, which is going to star Jude Law. Okay. Um, there's going to be a thing called Star Wars Tales of the Jedi, which is, I think, uh, six six uh, episodes and uh, two parts, uh, yeah. which uh, which is uh, animated, basically conti- <clears throat> continuing continuations of the stories that you fall in love with in uh, Clone Wars following specific Jedi, um, namely Ahsoka and uh, and Count Dooku that were uh, a major highlight in, uh, in the sizzle reel that was displayed. Let me clarify a couple of things. Uh, wait, th- there is no continuation of any storylines. There are specific no. characters. There are but- characters who are getting a-, a deeper dive into with the Clone Wars animation style. Yes. Yes. It's kind of like a Clone Wars spinoff, if you will. Um, it, there already is one. It, it, yeah, Bad Batch. I <laughs> yeah. know. I know. There's another, another one, one. Yeah. yeah. Which is look, I'm cool with. I'm cool. I'm just stay, I'm just here waiting since 2013 because there are a bunch of great stories, or so I'm told, that have been written literally in script form that were supposed to be included with the final uh, seasons of the Clone Wars, and I'm just waiting animate them release them i guarantee you they'd be popular especially if you love the clone wars and if you think the clone wars is very popular which it is that would be i don't know received rather well there's a cad bane arc there's an asajj ventress eight episode arc there's a general grievous arc there's a yoda and the wookies arc there's so much that was left that is already written that you own that you can animate and yet we're not gonna see it instead you think oh we'll just give him six episodes and some Tales are Tales of the Jedi, and actually some are partially edited. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah literally animated. the animatics are there. Yeah, the animatics yeah. Are, are literally there as we speak. So there's a lot, and you could do that, and I guarantee you that would generate excitement. But it seems they're like, we'll just do everything except that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, again, it's modern Disney, and modern Disney. <laughs> Is and by the way, quite that by some, no quite the decisions are being made in the House of Mouse. And think about all the wonder, like all the characters that are getting like these new, like you know, explorations into, especially with the prequel era. Um, and I, look, the Clone Wars is a. I love the show, and there are so many characters that are you know getting their due. Mm-hmm. Sure, you know who hasn't gotten their due is a character called Asajj Ventress. Who was very, I would say, key to the overall reason for why Clone Wars was such a big splash in the first place. And yet her character arc didn't receive a resolution of any kind. They gave her a novel, which was amazing, but no one read the novel. So no one knows what happened to her. So literally every character in Star Wars gets to come back except her. Okay. Keeping that in mind. Uh, By the way, none of this is nearly as, I would say... A big a fuck up as allowing John Favreau to literally murder a animated series that would have served as a successor to Star Wars Rebels, all for the sake of doing a live action adaptation of that original animated series that we already know will be worse for it in every way imaginable. So, yes, Ahsoka, we got more details out of that. I know they yeah. announced that the Rebels characters would be in it that we already knew. Hera, Syndulla, Jason Syndulla, Sabine Wren, Chopper, 
That's wonderful. And with I love those characters. With I would have loved to have seen those characters come back in their actual animated form, yeah. but instead we're going to get Mandalorian bullshit? No, I don't care. You know what I I I heard um somebody mention um that the only person who has not been invited back to stuff is the person who did the voice for Sabine. Sabine Wren. What? Tira Sakar? Was she there? No. Yeah. Because apparently she's not being invited back to do anything. Is there is there a reason? Do you know? I don't know. Well, I assume she would have I mean, uh, exactly. come back to do this show until Jen Favreau literally got her fired. Because, like, you know what? Let's change the show entirely and make it live action. Um, here's the thing. If it comes to pass that Jon Favreau did not pick up a pen to write anything for this show, then maybe there's a chance. But... Alexis, are you cutting your hair? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh my goodness. But if it turns out Favreau has a lot of influence over this show, it's done. Dead on arrival for me. As far as anything that involves his name, dead on arrival. Could not care less. I know the Mandalorian had like a season three panel. No one cared. I don't care. Um, I guess they had like a trailer that played for the crowd and um Kyle, do you have any information as to like what uh how that trailer played and what was involved? And the, Mandal- the Mandalorian season Mandalorian three. trailer. Uh there were sorry, I had a I had a work message. That's fine. Um yeah. there were uh, basically it's teasing. I think they got like a minute and a half more than what the regular trailer is gonna be. Yeah. So they it, got to see some stuff. It's teasing. Okay, Carl Weathers' character, uh, he pretty much runs the whole entire planet, I think, and he got like other planets involved with the whole thing. He has he'll he'll have his own little arc and whatever. But the thing is, is that they're teeing up the big showdown between Bo-Katan and Mando. I'm sorry, but I I just find it so disgusting. No, hold on, Alexis. You're right. For what? But I think there's more to be outraged here. It's like, what do you mean? What do you mean a showdown? Since when the fuck did Bo-Katan become the villain in this? That's what it sounds like. Like, whose decision was it to bring back this character and make her fall on the sword to prop up the main character, Mando? Yeah, I'm sure the Bo-Katan's fans would appreciate that. Um, that scenario going down. Like, this whole thing of, like, you know the mythology of the series. If you go back, even if you go back and watch that Boba Fett episode where it was just a Mando- Mandalorian episode, this bitch was like, oh, yeah, Bo-Katan, like, allowed herself to take the sword without, you know, winning it in combat. That was them fixing a retcon, by the way. But it was her fault that Mandalorian fell. I'm sorry, but I, I I think I feel pretty gross with this whole idea of that. Oh, we'll just make the whole extinction of the planet Bo-Katan's fault. 
and will make her be a loser at the expense of this Jaren character. Okay. Fuck you. That's my response. Fuck you. Alexis, your response. It just doesn't make any sense. Bo-Katan was never a villain, right? No! (coughs) I don't understand why are they villainizing her in any shape or capacity, you know? And it, it, it like, I I feel like it kind of um, makes the the story of Mandalore like dumb now. Like if you solely solely pin it on one person, like that's not that's not what happened. I mean, though. let's be let's be fair. Going back to Harry Potter, I mean, Mandalore is like the defense against the dark arts uh, position. It's cursed. It's a cursed planet. Yeah. It's like there's a bunch of uh, uh, fucked up things going on in Mandalore that you you also gotta love the tone deafness of Lucasfilm, right? Or or, or I guess particularly the Mandalorian writers because okay. The optics of making the girl Mandalorian be the bad guy in, in, in service of the boy Mandalorian becoming the king and ruler of Mandalore. Especially since the reasons that you're giving for Man- for Bogatan being bad are very superficial not reasons at all. They're, I mean, they're, yeah. they're not at all reasons. It just comes across as gross. Every like, way. It, it just kind of feels like. And it just, it feel also, it kind of throws out her whole character, too. Because her thing is that, like, she believed in, like, the old ways of Mandalore. And her sister was like, no, like, we need to be better. And then it, when she realized that her sister was right, it was too late. And now she's, like, the bad guy? Yeah, I'm what? sorry. Look, I uh, it's no secret that um, most of us here uh, on this network despised Mandalorian as a series, and I think it's become pretty clear. With we're continuously at a point where we're just questioning every decision they make with these characters, and I think it's pretty clear they fundamentally do not understand who these characters are, which what is they were supposed very, to be, and what this universe on. is. Which is very stupid because, like Dave Filoni, you know, he's supposed to know that stuff, but. It, what is he doing? Is he just like, you know, showing his belly to John Favreau and just listening and just being a you know a yes man? I don't know what's going on, but like it's very interesting to see. It's not interesting. It's very. Baffling. It's sad to see Kyle, but I think you're right. I think that 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 sounds exactly what's going on because we have seen at this point years of Filoni material that he's written and directed in the animated realm that we loved. And was spot on and felt exactly in this universe. And it, it enriched the universe. But ever since like he's like teamed up with John Favreau and has been in this live action space, it's like he's being led down the wrong path or something. Because the the episode he wrote and directed um The Jedi in season two, which featured the live action debut of Ahsoka Tano. We had major issues with how Ahsoka mm-hmm. was depicted in that episode. And he wrote that episode. So what's going on? Yeah. I don't get it. And like John Favreau, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very like 
blunt and honest. Like John Favreau, I have no doubt that he loves Star Wars, but I don't think he yeah. he understands the property that he's like working with, and it is a it's a very uh, it's a fundamental difference that he's uh, uh, exuberating in his work, you know, and even to the point where Luke. You know, instead of giving him nuance and stuff like that, he, you give him the most, you know, uh, wooden performance, you know, that you could do. I mean, it's just like all the decisions are made, you know, in, in the names of, in the name of nostalgia and nostalgia, nothing less, you know, and I think that a lot of people like feel that that's what star wars is just nostalgia fodder and it shouldn't be it shouldn't be like you take somebody and i think that that's where a lot of people have their 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 discrepancies against the last jedi because it's not because this luke skywalker that they see is not based in nostalgia it's based in character you know and so a lot of people and so i feel like a lot of people uh, uh fundamentally gravitate towards that because uh it, you know to tarnish in quotations tarnish you know an icon of your childhood i think is really really uh, uh, interesting in the way that it it it, it turns a phrase. In terms of where they're going, the trajectory of Mandalorian season three, it just it looks boring. It, it, it you know it's been boring though. <laughs> it's been boring, and also it's just I mean that's our perspective, right? But it, it, this I would say maybe to Kyle's point looks even more boring than what came before the and fact. I think you can easily see what's happening at the end of this. And yeah. the thing is, is that I tend to be a Mandalorian, not a book of Boba Fett. That was utter shit. Um, but I, well, I don't know, Kyle. I mean, the the Mandalorian episodes in Book of Boba Fett re- received what was it? Oh my god, the reaction those two episodes received. Oh, were like no, fuck that. Um, anyway. Uh, I I tend to be a Mandalorian apologist because I do like some elements and stuff from there. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that the first episode of the second season, I think, was, is phenomenal Star Wars content. Episode. You know, yeah. I think that's probably one of the best examples of like taking. But for me, it's like I can't like reason with the whole thing being good just because of one episode because they've had two seasons already and the thing but here's the thing like even i you going back to the first season i moderately enjoyed the first season i'm not gonna lie i i moderately enjoyed it i i love the promise that it had of being a a show about this guy learning you know, taking his toxic masculinity out of the equation. And I love that concept in season one. And I wish that they continued on that with that. But no, they had to make it be a badass video game in, in season two, which I, which that I feel dropped the ball in, in season two. So like, I, I don't know. Like, I, on paper, there should be a lot of good things, but no, they have to throw in, you know, legacy characters and and all that stuff. When which they have no right to use a legacy characters because this was promised to be when it was pitched. It was pitched to be its own thing. It was pit. Well, I think now you know that was a lie. 
Well, yeah, obviously that was, that was a bold faced lie because Favreau just cannot help himself. He when he, if he sees an opportunity to to bring in a legacy character, he will do so without question. It's just yeah, I, I get what you're saying, Kyle. It just seems like from my standpoint, and well, my perspective is nothing about this show really interested me from the very beginning. Nothing, and as far as I know, there are a lot of people who love Jaren and who love Grogu and that feel a relationship there, I feel nothing. I, I I just feel nothing for them and I feel nothing when I see them on screen together. That's just the reality. That's that's for me. And I know I'm in the grand minority when it comes to that. And I'm in the grand minority when it comes to everything about this show. But um, it's just so infuriating to me because this is the stuff that most Star Wars fans you know, look to and call as like the shining example for what Star Wars should be. And they uh, chastise everything else or even not everything else, but the stuff that I happen to enjoy most in Star Wars, which happens to be the Ryan Johnson. I mean, look at this. I think there is a case to be made that in the last few years, there has been a creator that deeply misunderstands who Luke Skywalker was. It just wasn't Ryan Johnson. It was John Favreau. And yet, who's the one that gets attacked for misunderstanding Luke, quote-unquote, I mean, supposedly? But again, it's because they treat Luke in in, uh, in The Mandalorian and Boba Fett is they treat him like nostalgia <laughs> fodder, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's where, you know, you don't, that's where you don't feel anything. He's just there to be a totem, you know, and nothing more. And but just even the then, the day, like the way yeah, that they Alexis. use him, it yeah. doesn't make sense. This show has really just become like a hub for all of the things I hate about Star Wars and also Star Wars fans. Let's just be real about that. So I don't know. I guess we'll get it, but I anyway. Um uh, what else was it? Oh, I guess oh, we had an Andor uh, trailer. Oh yeah. I was going to say something good, which was we got to see, I at least was very excited to see pictures of Ashley Eckstein, Eckstein? Eckstein with um, Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen and, and Ewan McGregor. Yes, yeah. That was so cool. This is the first time she meets Hayden, which yeah. I think is pretty cool. That when she said, oh, by the way, nice to meet you, Sky Guy. That got like a two minute uh, standing ovation. <sighs> I can't. In general, I think it was pretty nice to see both Ewan and Hayden uh, being treated as the rock stars Mm -hmm. this celebration where it seems like people just forgot they existed in a lot of the previous (laughs) celebrations. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's one of those things. Um, And not only that, but they're hamming it up. Like, everybody went nuts when they did the first round of interviews and uh he said uh Hayden what would you say about uh about all the you know you know all the stuff that's coming up in Kenobi and he said uh very coyly this is where the fun begins and just like everybody went you know the the house was rocked and what have you okay. and it <laughs> um but yeah i mean just like Hayden getting i think the recognition that you know 
that he he rightfully deserves. I mean, let's go, let's be real. Like the the thing that we got from him in the prequels is not his doing. It's George's doing. So like he's not at fault for that, you know. And the fact that people are like welcoming him, you know, with which is ridiculous that they kicked him out, you know, but the fact that they're, you know, embracing Hayden and Ewan and and all that stuff. I think it, I I think that's a a civility that I think is like sorely needed in uh in the Star Wars community. Um except it's not. Um anything else before we move on to Obi-Wan Kenobi? Um the oh and or trailer any 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 comments about that i didn't see it i, I don't care about this show i liked it i'm interested but again but again i you know i being the star wars you know nut job i am what <laughs> uh, let's be real but let's be fair i think everybody on this network to an extent is a star wars bitch and i feel that's true because well we're about to talk about obi-wan i think if you're a star wars bitch a lot of the stuff that happened there will I, I it should eat you away, I would say. So we'll get into Obi Wan in a minute. Right now, um, I I guess as far as movie news, they said Taika's movie is, is next, which yeah. I can't wait to see. But that's still, I guess, is a few years away. I, they've also, I guess, said, oh yeah, Ryan Johnson's is still into yeah yeah right. I don't know why they okay i I would like for that to be the case but i don't think that's happening i, I won't believe it until i see a trailer yeah and also i guess kevin feige's star wars movie is still in development so and apparently michael waldron is writing that which is interesting michael waldron has kind of become and i don't know, know who else is attached to that project as well who? mr john watts so uh <laughs> Michael Waldron uh, was a writer for the Loki uh, Disney Plus series, and then also he was the writer for the screenplay of uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which, if you've listened to the podcast in this last month, uh, some, of, some of us have huge um, issues with uh, Waldron's writing at times. Uh, so, did you say John Watts was going to direct that Kevin Feige movie? Uh, not direct. I think like he's. I I think producing and like co-writing and stuff like that. Okay. But it's so All right. it's so funny. Okay. Like I read that and I like. <laughs> All right. Um. Now let's move on to something that's not so funny, and that is racist Star Wars fans. Yeah. And I think it's important. I'm very happy. No, I would say I with Lucasfilm. No, don't call him. Don't call him Star Wars fans because they're not. Okay. Well. Racist individuals who l like to think themselves as Star Wars fans, we'll call them that. Um, I'm very happy in this instance um, that Lucasfilm, Ewan McGregor, and a lot of the people are going out of their way to call out this bigotry, this misogyny, this racism now. Um, I don't think they can ever make up for how horribly they abandoned Kelly Marie Tran and nameless others. Let's be real about that. But it's finally nice for a change oh, for them you, to be ahead of this it is, and, this is, and, and this punch is, okay. down these. Did you guys see the little like cockamamie freaking half-ass like celebration panel for uh, Kelly Marie Tran at celebration? No. Yeah, Kelly, she was at Celebration, and she had, like, her own little, little spot, uh, you know, you know how they have them on, like, the, 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 um, the showroom floor, 
and there's this like mm-hmm. the stage and stuff like that and and they do interviews and what have you and Kelly Marie Tran and Billy Lord was there and stuff like that and they were like let's just give Kelly Marie Tran a round of applause you know for you know for being in Star Wars kind of thing and like I'm like <laughs> it it was laughably um embarrassing i i must say it was just like too little too late kind of this, this kinda is why i think can I, can that I, wait, like i i need to be clear of something first before we get off into all these different things so uh, i need to say what happened right for those who are not aware moses ingram who plays reva the third sister on obi-wan uh was the victim of several uh racist direct messages all over social media and she actually i love the fact that she just shared those with the with everybody that way we can actually see and people you know it's it's more than just like we hear about it no we actually see the racist shit that she was sent and i think it that's what happened but it should say a lot that this keeps happening with this fandoms you know so to speak that whenever we have a minority of any kind be in this franchise they're attacked and by the way so much so that Lucasfilm now trains their POC talent to be aware of the fact that they will be targeted because of what they look like for being in Star Wars. So that's where we are. This is why what Kyle just said about Hayden Christensen, like, I think is kind of bullshit because, like, he was kicked out because of people like that. Because of, and, and because the people in Star Wars let, that happened also. They didn't speak out for him. They didn't do anything for him. But now, because he's doing this, um, like, it's okay now. That, you know? Like, I, I don't... That doesn't sit well with me. Um, no, it doesn't. And not at all. Yeah, the whole Kelly Marie... And, like, it's not just her. Like, no. literally, this happened, like, how many years ago? This has been happening to, yeah. to um, Ahmed Best, who played Jar Jar Binks. Billy D. Williams. He was bullied was, for that years. That was horrible. Jake Lloyd. Yeah. Jake Lloyd. I saw a tweet the no, other day that like, somebody said, like, we really bullied a kid. Like, he was yeah. a literal kid when this movie came out. And it wasn't even his fault. He, the kid was fine. Like, it's it's just... M- remember the whole okay. George Lucas rape my okay. childhood movement? Yeah. It's, it's good that they're speaking out on this. But... Yeah. It's, it feels kind of bullshitty now. It It's ridiculous. Like, I mean, this thing goes, like, way back. It's, like, really <sighs> deep-seated. A lot of people, like, even when Billy D. Williams was Lando in Empire, everybody's like, what the fuck is this? Why, you know, why is this POC in my, you know, in my white-dominated uh, story? You know? So, uh, like, it, it goes way back. Like... Yeah. Like, we... we, we we can't like stop but like address. But the abuse continues to happen. Remember yeah. John Boyega? There yes. was this whole like uprise because how dare they have a black stormtroopers? There are no black stormtroopers in Star Wars, and I'm like, yes. What have the you fuck? seen underneath? And the like armor? again, the fact that like yes, I'm not solely putting putting the blame on the people behind Star Wars, but they did let a lot of these things happen, and the fact yeah. that like. Kelly Marie Tran got like what ten minutes of screen time, maybe even less a minute. I don't even know. She had like, two no, minutes, less than a minute. She oh, had oh, two, two minutes. minutes. Okay. Two minutes. Oh, excuse like, me, two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> she had a supporting like, role I'm in sorry, one movie, and then she was like just, barely in the next movie. Okay. Yeah. No. 
Mm-mm. Don't forget Daisy Ridley also was like yeah. was chased off social media. Oh, by yeah. the way, how welcome. dare they have a female lead in, in in Star Wars? By the way, Daisy, welcome back to um, Instagram. You are sorely missed. <laughs> it it just this keeps happening, like, and every single time there is, uh, uh, but it happens now, particularly with minorities. Yeah. Which sucks, and it shouldn't happen, you know. But again, and I like. But it's hardly surprising, the right? That, the thing that really uh, uh, touched me is like this is the first time somebody has said it. Um, is when Ewan, and this is when I, <laughs> this is when filming a video in your car actually made a good thing. <laughs> um, and Ewan McGregor, he uh, he posted through the Star Wars. Did you not see this video? Kyle, no, Kyle, can you, wait, what were you saying about that? Filming in a... In a car. You you heard what I said. <laughs> I don't get it, though. Oh, he's talking about Amy McGregor. I thought he was talking about us. No. Well, no. I mean, it could be I still a, don't get it, but okay. It could be a, Anyway, a lot of apology uh, videos are made in cars and stuff like that. And uh, Anyway, so... He, Ewan McGregor, he came out and did a video and he said that, you know, uh, if you're going to be uh, racist and bigoted in Star Wars and you're no Star Wars fan as far as I'm concerned, you know, and I think that, that you know, I think that is right on it because like Star Wars is about hope, love, acceptance, you know, and like that's what Star Wars is about, you know, it's about compassion, you know, through and through and for those to take something so something that spreads that message and to turn it into like the most vile hatred uh you know disgusting thing i think is it 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 insults the name of star wars itself too you know other you know aside from the obvious of you know of you know racism and stuff like that i mean it's just it goes against the entire thesis of what star wars is you know and i and i strongly disagree with every single bit of it um yeah so let's get into this obi-wan shall we obi-wan kenobi this is a show that i think uh collectively we've had such low expectations for um and yet I think um, just reading the room here and seeing like some of the reactions that we have shared with each other on our um, social media, it seems very much the case that um, not only have we been pleasantly surprised with uh, the quality of what we have here, but we're actually thoroughly enjoying a lot of the decisions that involve these big characters. Um, I would just want to point out one thing mm-hmm. um it's it's it says something to me not saying that this show is above criticism it is not and not saying that people do not have the right to pick it apart they do but if you're an individual who wholeheartedly loves every single decision that was made on mandalorian and thinks that's the best star wars thing ever I don't want to hear anything from you not liking this show because and that's just how I feel because this show, quite frankly, very easily is the best live action Star Wars show and it's not even close 
like it kind of blows everything out of the water. You feel the absence of one Mr. Jean Favreau here because you actually feel <laughs> like these are characters talking to each other about things <laughs> that matter. You're not, you're not watching a show where like, hey, I'm an action figure video game character. Let's go on a fetch quest and, you know, if you do this, I'll help you there. And that's the whole episode. Characters aren't treated as NPCs, you know. Exactly. And I I think you actually see characters, you actually see acting, you actually see something that is expressing some kind of emotion. Yeah. Deborah Chow should be in charge of anything and everything going forward with live action Star Wars. And John Favreau, the sooner you rid himself, you rid yourselves of him, the better, which is a shame because they won't. This is what happens when he is not involved in the writing or at all. You get a good show. Go figure. Moreno, yeah. That's that's the that's the initial impression of of this show just based on the first three episodes and then we can get into the actual moments that, you know. But Alexis, I'm very curious to hear um what you were expecting out of this and then what you actually got. No, I think we were all expecting Another Mandalorian type of thing. (laughs) Um, I don't think it's a secret, though. I think we all literally were like... I mean, when you come out and you say that this is the showdown of Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. The rematch of the century. The rematch of the century. My apologies. Um, Excuse me? What? (laughs) Um, Okay, that didn't make any sense to me. and don't get me wrong, I think that, you know, there's still a, three more episodes. Our minds could change drastically with the next three episodes. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, But, yeah, from the moment that they did that recap to the last moment of the third episode, my mouth was opened. I was so happy. Honestly, yeah, that's no, the only way is... to consume the prequels from now on. <laughs> um, yeah, this is, yeah, I can't even, it's so good. It's so, so good. And I'm just so happy, you know, even if the next three episodes are not as good, I'm just so happy that we have this. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I very... Pleasantly surprised. <laughs> I, dude, so was I. I, I was absolutely. I, I think I was the most skeptical of of everybody because, like, the no, th- I think no, we all. No, I think we all no. were. We I all was were. not. And you we like Mandalorian? Like, <laughs> we literally no, are. No, no, no. I was expecting nothing below the from this show. <laughs> I wasn't even excited or looking forward to this. I was dreading. I was this. angry I, I, when they were yeah, describing was, the show. <laughs> okay all right you believe what you guys want to believe but you know i was the most skeptical because the whole thing was pitching the idea of what is it what is it oh that's right the you know the rematch of the century you know and what do you what do you what i just say (laughs) no but but listen 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 i and that is that made me feel like what are you know are they 
they're pretty much saying fuck you to a new hope and which i did not like i did not like that pitch whatsoever <laughs> you know so i so i think i was the most maybe maybe not skeptical but the most pissed that the show was going to exist you know um so that being said you know here i was um in the in covid eve uh one night <laughs> i I I I I put the on I put on the episodes because I'm like I'm sick I'm in bed, fuck it why not you know and so I put it on and oh my god like I was I was like automatically I feel you know this this you feel I feel (laughs) I feel I'm feeling things what what is this this feels good. And oh my god, oh Obi Wan is not a badass right off the you know out of the gate. Obi Wan is broken. He is broken. What? There's actual character like he's going through an arc. He's going through stuff. <laughs> he's actually going through stuff. A character going through stuff. You know they're actually keeping up with the story. They're actually keeping up with the story, and that makes sense for the trajectory that he goes on to with Allegenis. What? <laughs> um, I the the camera work. It doesn't. It 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 looks like it doesn't look like an LED mess. <laughs> uh, what wh- what's happening? Oh, the bad guys. The bad guys don't feel like cookie cutters. They feel like they're actually there they're to serve. Scary. <laughs> they're there to serve a narrative purpose. <laughs> you know. Um. Oh my god! And oh my god! Ewan McGregor's acting is fucking great in this. So I was like, "What the hell?" And then, oh my god! And then a certain plot line is happening in here. That uh, number one, Peter messaged me, Kyle, you got your wish, <laughs> and I was like, I "Honestly, wish- I I wasn't gonna watch it until like the next day, but then Peter sent that, and I was like, okay, fine, I I have to watch it." And then they released it early. The first two episodes were released early, like before yeah. midnight. Um, yeah, I didn't go to sleep till like two in the morning that day. Uh, it was the reason why they released it early was a strategical purpose because they. Uh, just premiered the first two episodes at Celebration. So so they wanted to get around from spoilers and stuff like that. So they were like, okay, we got to, you know, we got to release it a little earlier. So, um, and maybe not also drop at the exact same moment as the behemoth known as Stranger Things too, which shattered records this past, uh, the weekend of its debut. Um, yeah. So like it, I was like, uh, yeah, a certain plot line happens, and I was like, I at first I felt icky. At first I felt icky about this plot line because I'm like, oh no, oh no. no. And then the more it went on, I'm like, oh yes. And then just tears and all that stuff. Ooh. Kyle, you need to be more um, careful with how you say certain things because Alexis just gave a look and I was like, "Yeah, I was thinking that that maybe, <laughs> maybe don't 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 okay. sound like that when you're talking about a child storyline here." Uh, hey, I'm trying to be discreet here. Um, There's no need for that. Uh, 
uh, everyone who has seen it has seen it. So by all means, spoilers. Okay. You're talking about Leia, aren't you? Yeah, I'm talking about Leia. And the thing is, is that I've wanted to see like something done because like her whole entire like life on Alderaan is such a such a mystery. You know, I mean, the only thing that we've gotten are the the um, the books. With the uh, with Leia and Bloodline, and that's the only thing that we've gotten of Leia. You know, we've no Leia's never given the proper spotlight that she deserves. But oh, Luke, oh, fuck all for Luke, you know, kind of thing. And so I was absolutely, and the the fact that we are going into this direction with Leia instead of Luke. I was absolutely dumbfoundedly on oh, no. board. As with soon it. as I saw her, like as soon as I realized what was going on. Uh- I was like, okay, you have me. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> it's so good. She's so good. Everything is, is so good. I was scared. I was scared. I was honestly, because we got like a good chunk before they showed her. Mm-hmm. And I was I was happy with what we were seeing. Yeah. And then we got her and I was like, okay, like I, I'm kind of excited. Like I'm giddy to see like what what's happening and also like the fact that they didn't say that this is gonna happen and it literally came out of nowhere oh my god i love that was the biggest surprise out of this and i'm yeah i'm surprised how how well they were able to keep this plotline under wraps especially like all the um because all the you know promotion that you see is just the first two episodes, you know. So I I was pleasantly surprised to see how much they were able to uh, keep from us, especially because like that is a huge portion of where we are going forward in the series. So I think that with the introduction and oh my god, the actress that they got, the actor that they play that plays her, that plays Leia, what's her name? I'm trying to look for it. Vivian, uh, Vivian Lyra Blair. <laughs> oh my God. Um, fantastic. She's, she's fantastic. The only thing that I regret, unfortunately, is the fact that Carrie can't see her legacy and her, you know, her legacy character still living in another, uh, in another actor, you know, and I think Carrie would have adored Vivian. Yeah. You know, I would have, like, you could easily see, like, the whole press tour, uh, Vivian and Carrie, like, interviews and stuff like that. And you could easily see, like, that happening if, you know, had, had, you know, had she still been with us, you know? And, like, it doesn't, like, her character could easily just been, you know, out of place, make her too cutesy for the sake of being too cutesy. But no, she actually has her own fucking personality, you know, her own personality. And also, it's very reminiscent of how she portrayed Leia in episode four, you know? So, like, you you feel like this is, like, the spiritual, you know, beginnings of of Leia and that and oh, oh my god not only that but like Bail Organa's uh like we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll we'll get into it later but like that whole scene it, another pleasant surprise you know and it, it just feels right it feels organic you know it doesn't feel wooden <laughs> yeah you know uh and 
I love the fact that Leia is getting the spotlight in this show and not Luke, because I'm honestly I'm tired of Luke Skywalker stories. I'm I'm done with it. Um, and the fact that Leia is getting the you know the spotlight in this show, I think, is like an absolute bonus of it. Um, but yeah, and not only that, but like the interaction that she has between her and and uh, and Ewan McGregor. I think their chemistry is absolutely on point and spot on. Um, yes. All right. That's all I have for now until somebody addresses something else or wants to go into a different direction with the conversation. Uh, what? Okay. What did you feel about like when you found out that this, this thing is not going to go the Wait. way we think? Before we get to that, what were you thinking, Alexis? Because I know you watched it later than we did. Yeah. So when we were messaging, did you kind of get that we were enjoying it? Yes, surprisingly so. So I was in a very remote area when all (laughs) this was going down, so I couldn't really, or rather I was far more preoccupied um, drinking beer and other things. (laughs) said to watch Obi-Wan so I was at the beach and everything ironically enough I think it was Friday night we were waiting for um, someone to arrive there and my brother uh, showed me uh, the first part I think the first uh, 10 or so minutes I didn't realize we had that great like service there again very remote but apparently we had T-Mobile and we had like perfect picture like streaming uh, quality so we saw the first um, Obi-Wan stuff and I was just kind of like amazed how quickly things just felt completely different um, that you could feel the hands of somebody else because you see Tatooine. And again, I'm very much tired <laughs> of seeing Tatooine. Um, but it's it's just funny. I thought like when I saw Tatooine, like, well, it actually feels populated. And then you watch Book of Boba Fett and I'm like, it feels like cheap and small. And then there was no one there. Um, at that last battle, it felt like it was like, just like one like hallway or something, or this one like street that they were only there filming. Yeah, but it's very clearly um, it was filmed here. Did it, you know that? I think I did hear about that. Yeah, yeah. Part that, of it was filmed the, here, uh, and then a little bit of what you see in up in uh, the third episode um, mm-hmm. was filmed where we suspected that one scene from a from a Mandalorian. Mandalorian being filmed um but it was actually filmed and over... uh what, what is it what did peter call it though in san diego or no san bernardino <laughs> yeah pasadena <laughs> something yeah um no i it it was surprisingly subdued and reserved in melancholy and all the right ways this story should have been um, and it kept going like, okay, you know, it's taking off the boxes where it's like, okay, this is what you do with this story. And then that was just the first 10 minutes. Then I saw the next, the full episode while I was waiting in line to get back from Mexico on the border. Um, and then I was just kind of like surprised, uh, left and right with like how well this was like holding up as a story that I was interested in. I was surprised with how effective that first Inquisitor scene was, um, how wonderfully it was acted, how it's setting up, you know, Obi-Wan being very different than we remember him being 
And off the bat, you're like, oh, wow. So this is a wonderful justification for this show is we're at with an Obi-Wan that is not – he's not what he was in episode three, but he's not what he will become in episode four. So, wow, we're telling a character arc here. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since we've gotten one of those. <laughs> First of all, in Star Wars, so that's great to see. And then you get Leia, which I'm like, oh no, what's happening here? But then immediately it just washes away because that actor that they got here, this is why Kathy is so wrong when it says, like, we're not going to recast original trilogy character actors because look at what you got here. She was amazing. She I mean, knocks I, I it. Cannot think of a, uh-huh. I cannot think of a better, like, home run as far as the debut is concerned. Three episodes, and she does not come across the least bit annoying. She comes across exactly as Leia. Just right there in every little bit of dialogue they gave her. And her delivery is perfect. Everything with her is perfect. I cannot believe how good it is. I can't believe we, we, people are complaining about her. Oh, they can go fuck themselves. Um, Her, I mean, just, she's... When she's on screen at all, it's great. But, you know, her relationship with, with Bale, this is the best stuff Jimmy Smith has got to work with in anything he's been in Star Wars. I mean, honestly, but it, it's great to see him as a loving father. I love to see that relationship, Leia and Bale, who we've never really seen before. And then, oh, but here's the brilliant part. She gets kidnapped. If you're going to have a story where you're going to force Obi-Wan By Mr. Off of Californication, nonetheless. Uh, let's, okay. If you're going to have a story where you're going to force Obi-Wan off of Tatooine, this is the perfect justification for it. And then you, an even bigger surprise, a relationship you never thought existed before, Obi-Wan and Leia? And then to see how well those two work off each other, it just like the more it goes on these three episodes, the more you realize this is working really, really well. Yeah. How are they doing this? Like on paper, all the things that they do, you think to yourself, oh, no, please stay away from this. Don't fuck this up. And yet they're not. They're actually like delivering on a story you didn't really think could work and it is working and it's adding layers and recontextualizing stuff of other star Wars stories. You didn't even think could have actually, you know, been recontextualized, but it's adding more to a lot of the other stuff. Cause like the, the idea that you have a relationship with Obi-Wan and Leia now makes you think, Oh, that's why she stands up and is so excited in a new hope, like Ben Kenobi. Yeah. And maybe you know, Ben made, meant so much to her that she named her own son after him. Now that stuff makes sense. That's what you do with a good, like, you know, legacy story. I'm loving this. This is great. Because, like, I always wondered, like, why the name Ben was held so significant with Leia, you know, in, uh, in TFA. And the thing is, is that, like, now we have a reason. Because, I mean, I guess he could have drawn the conclusion that it's because, like, it's because of Ben Kenobi that her and Han met, but like I feel like that was a superficial reason. <laughs> and now we have something more deeper and and all that stuff. And and not only that, but like the the reminiscing that he has, you know, on like her mom, you know, on Padme and stuff like that. Absolutely. When she goes, Are you my dad? Oh my god. Yeah. Oh man. Also, like if you if you go back in canon, if you if if you if you care about this sort of stuff, you know, r- remember that in Return of the Jedi, she remembers images of her mom. And who else was in that room? Only one person was in that room. 
you know, with her, and that was Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know? So it's not a far stretch to imagine that she would think that, too, you know? So, like, there, just, like, all these little things, like, make sense within each other that are, I feel is probably the most organic story. But, but, like, even, even if you, like, don't put that together, like, the fact that she thinks that he's her real dad because of the way that he looks at her because of the way that like he protects her and like you could feel that he would give her his own life for her like love that yeah i love it too uh it's so, so good it, it, it's, it, so it, good. it's really good i mean there's only so many times we could say that oh this is so good you know but like mm-hmm. But, like, it, it's true. It's true. I haven't felt this alive in terms of a live, ac- <laughs> a live action star. I sense something. A presence I've not felt since The Last Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. I have not felt. You know, we keep saying that, but we keep forgetting the Clone Wars. Well, oh, ter- yeah, that's well, true. In terms I mean, of live, live action, action setting. Action. Okay. We'll Let, say, let's yeah. Put, let's action. put it there. There's but still- I guess feeling the Star Wars excitement, you're right, since the finale of Clone Wars, I haven't felt this excited since then, I keep forgetting that happened too. But as far as like the live action stuff, it's been really depressing. Let's be honest about that since like Last Jedi. So to have something like this to be happy and excited about, it's just like kind of, it's weird. And I'm happy for it, you know? It's, it's, it's just, cannot believe it. It really is. Within me, just the Force so truly has awakened, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and think about this. There was a Vader and well, Darth Vader was superior, but there was a Vader and like Obi Wan. Oh my god, duel. we need to talk about that scene. And I didn't hate it. I actually, I thought it was pretty perfect, and I'm kind of surprised people are bitching about it. I, I cannot believe people are bitching about this series, and they couldn't come close to bitching about all the problems Mandalorian had. What the fuck? I. Never understood. Oh, this is something I told David that I never understood when people would say, "Oh, that Darth Vader was the scariest villain," like this and that, because mm-hmm. I never truly got that from any of the things that I saw or that we have seen. The only one that kind of came close was Rogue One, but even then, that mm-hmm. wasn't scary. That was cool. <laughs> um, but the scene where he's walking around town. He fucking cracks that kid's neck, like, and and you can feel, like, that you're, like, about to get shit done. (laughs) I don't know, like... (laughs) Excellent. That was terrifying. (laughs) That was so scary. Um, And then another thing that I really enjoy about the show that I also told David is that we know what's going to happen. We know the outcome of the story because we've seen it. It was mm-hmm. the first thing that we saw in Star Wars. But the fact that like you feel like something might change or like I don't know how to explain it. Like you you kind of think like oh maybe it's not actually going to happen that way or like oh maybe he's going to survive. Yeah. Like you know that that's the fact that it, it- feels so good. The fact that it's making you question the yeah, outcome is a, a testament it, itself, and and the way that you know, in it's, it's like it's like when you watch Titanic, and when you know that the, the boat the, is going to sink, but it, you're no, no, gri- no, when oh. when when 
the boat hits the iceberg and you're like just maybe go, just, just a little over. bit yeah, this yeah, time yeah. maybe they'll like, make maybe, it this yeah. time yeah <laughs> that's maybe what the it feels like sink. yeah but yeah then it, but then it sinks anyways <laughs> um yeah i mean it, it's so good and also like the presence that you feel with with vader i think is absolutely i mean you feel it if there was any a time for Vader to seem scary and intimidating, it would be this because you feel Obi-Wan's dread, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and also that look, oh my God, like this broke my heart. Like of all, everything, of everything that broke my heart is when, uh, when Reva, I think that's her name. Um, when she says that Anakin Skywalker is still alive and you see that look that, obi-wan has and then when they go back on the ship at the end of episode two you see him say anakin like in a way that it's kind of reminiscent to where uh you have ahsoka saying that in uh in rebels you know when she feels that his presence is still there and the fact that you could see like the pain in iwan's eyes is so incredibly done like and you feel like this this relief you get this sense of regret and utter utter like fear you have those three emotions being conveyed all at once in Ewan's eyes that i think delivers what makes this show stand out above the other live action star wars Shit. I mean, look very clearly here. Deborah Chow is, is is telling a story, and I think she understands in a way that John Favreau will never understand um, how you tell a, a story with an actually interesting character and not make them one note. Because what you see here is you have an Obi Wan who very much has been, you know, you know, uh, windled down in a way from a, his spirit has been, you know, whittled down since. Um, Revenge of the Sith, so much so that we see him in you know just the first episode making a lot of decisions that would seem quite questionable if you're a fan of Obi Wan Kenobi, and that's just you know the, the circumstance of being a Jedi in this day and age. He has to really turn his back on even a fellow Jedi who indirectly you know ends up you know dying because Obi Wan refused to help um, you know cover for him or help him hide somewhere, and he couldn't jeopardize. You know, giving shelter to anybody because that would jeopardize Luke. Yeah, and then even then, I think the more important ask, the more important um, the you see the boy in, must be trained when the time comes. Right. Um, the more important moment, I would say, that I think really made it crystal clear that there was somebody else behind the camera here and who wrote this script. Um, and I think also, you know, sells home this point that I'm making even further was when Bale first calls. Um, Kenobi on Tatooine, yeah, and informs him that Leia has been kidnapped, and you know, I, I I'd say you know, Bale made it very clear and was very heartfelt in his plea for Obi Wan to get off this rock and go help her, and you could tell on Obi Wan's face like he felt very much bad and sorry about it, but he made a decision like you know, I I agree to take the boy. I don't have I don't have it in me anymore. That's part of it too. But then also, my bigger responsibility is to him. I'm sorry, I can't do it. And this is probably not the same choice. No, this is not the same choice. Obi Wan. Yeah, Obi Wan would have made. like hopped onto the near the closest yes. vessel and just took it off. You know, 
But think about what that represents, Kyle. That is an acknowledgement of the person behind the camera that, yes, characters do change over time. Yeah. They do not stay in static. They do not stay the same throughout it. And if John Favreau, Mike Marwartz, if John Favreau wrote this episode, there wouldn't have been a question. You would have seen a shot of Obi-Wan getting his lightsaber all badass and getting on some kind of maybe, I don't know, some exit. That Jedi would have never shown up. No. Yeah. He, he would have, he, there wouldn't have been a question. Obi-Wan would have gotten on a ship and left that moment but instead deborah chow thought you know what let's make this more interesting also you would actually have bail come in person and persuade him to go do it and get him back in the fight and like it it's so telling that you know if also john favreau was involved in this he would have ignited the lightsaber in the first episode but the thing is, is that the lightsaber is used so sparingly in this, like, you know, like even... As it should be! Because he, sh- he should be reluctant to ignite it. He shouldn't want to have and, it. And that... The I... Yeah. I feel like that's where, like, the light... The the word lightsaber is so, like, impactful and, like, it... The light... A lightsaber means something in this show. Yes. You know, and... He could have so easily have used that, that saber to ward off all the adversaries he was, like, you know, going off against, but he didn't need yeah. to, he didn't want to. Like, the fact that we only got, at least in the first episode, him, like, moving his robe and that it's there. Like, that was yeah. the only... And then, like, when he, like, dug it up and stuff, which also, like, is a big, meaningful thing. Yeah, because, mm-hmm. like... He wants no part of like that's symbolic of like yeah. him wanting no part of the fight whatsoever. They literally say like the lightsaber is like an ex- an extension of a Jedi, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he cut you know, that him off. Digging it up, yeah. Also, for you canon Nazis out there, that's a very consistent yeah. example of canon because Ahsoka and other Jedi who you know fled or were trying to cover up that they survived Order sixty six did that with their lightsabers. Mm-hmm. They, they just left them at a burial site. Or just bury them completely. Yeah. yeah. Which is so sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And- um, yeah. And, like, even just, like, the small little details that we see all throughout. Like, we see the stormtrooper, um, like, just, like, there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, out in the street. Um, I think, like, for me, like, one of the my favorite parts, which a lot of people complained about, which doesn't make any sense to me. Um, when he is catching Leia, um, sorry, my dogs. That's okay. Um, when he catches Leia using the force, when she falls down, you could see how painful it is for him. You could see that he, like, how much he hesitated to, to yeah. use it. You can see that, like, he has not used it in a very, very, very long time. And, like, mm-hmm. the fact that he looks like he's in pain because it's, yeah. like, a muscle that he hasn't used. And people exactly. are like, oh, why didn't he, like, do it before? Why, like... What, what do you mean, oh why, why he didn't do it before? People, this is another example why Star Wars fans do not understand Storytelling 101. There is obviously a lot more going on with him. Look, there's a lot more acting going on with him. His facial expressions in that first episode than a lot of other Star Wars properties have. Let's just be real about that. There's a lot more being said on his face than dialogue can ever do justice. That's just the reality of it. But what you were saying, there was always a lot more going on. Yeah. With him refusing to use that lightsaber, 
refusing to use the force than just, oh, I got to be careful not, yeah. not to be caught. No, it was... There's more to it Obi-Wan feels as if the Order of the Jedi have just failed completely. Yeah, like, he very yeah. much is in the same spot that Luke was in Last Jedi. Hello. And not only that, yeah. but, like, again, you know, it's like poetry. It rhymes. Where we get with Luke is that Luke, not only does he, like, reject the whole entire Jedi Order, but the guilt... The guilt that he feels, you know, I think is... You could tell how much everything that happened has taken a toll on him. Yeah. Literally, he's he's in that Jedi, the time of the Jedi has passed. Yeah, I'm sure he feels, especially now that he knows what Anakin became, like, I'm sure he feels, like, so much pain and so much regret and so, like, like... He, I, I'm sure he feels like the weight of the world <laughs> yeah, is on his shoulders. Yeah. You know, the burden and responsibility of being one of the faces of the Jedi. You know, yeah. And also, it's like you you look at the legacy of Luke Skywalker when we come to him in the Last Jedi, and you know, you know how he has like this whole big name and all that stuff. I'm pretty sure that the name Obi Wan Kenobi is not a name to be, you know, sneezed at, you know, yeah, because like that the name Obi they they even mention it in the show, yeah, and and then when the when the guy said what's happened to you, you know, you know, and because like that's not the Obi Wan I would know, you know, that wink wink hint hint, you know. Uh, people watching the show. Um, Some people are just too thick, aren't and they? And he said, <laughs> "You know, it's literally there in the in the show. What's happened to you?" And he said, "The Jedi failed. It's time to move on." <laughs> you know, I I mean, <laughs> nonchalant. Which is, I mean, that's the truth, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what that's what literally happened. The Jedi Order collapsed in large part of their own doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like literally, Dude, which his is whole why, by the way. World- was this thing and it it kind of is like it we weren't what we thought we were Mm -hmm. and we kind of caused all of this to happen in a way exactly and we've caused so we've caused so much pain and yes you know destruction to the world like how can how can people look at him and be like no this is not this and is not, not only that, but you know what else is really highlight? Wait, wait, and also, like, if you have like ten years of isolation, living in all that stuff, you are gonna reflect on a couple of things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, leave your leave yourself with your own thoughts for too yeah, long. Yeah, I mean, look you at know? literally, like that's what happened when we were in lockdown. Look at all the shit that we like has come from being in COVID lockdown. Yeah, like. You know what I mean? Like, how do people not connect these things? I just... (sighs) Alexis, continue. Sorry, we kept cutting off. (laughs) No, it's fine. I I I think uh, what Uh, this also does is it it, it really shines a light on a glaring inconsistency here. What we all just spoke to with, like, you know, where Obi-Wan is with his arc right now and his feelings toward the the collapse of the Order. mm Mm-hmm. Luke and Ahsoka are characters that also understood that, and we've seen that express that point of view in their own stories, whether it be in the, the Siege of Mandalore arc with Ahsoka or with even in Return of the Jedi with Luke. But I think the glaring inconsistency is how both of those characters are handled in Mandalorian and in Book of Boba Fett, especially when they both are characters that have like have a history of like 
understanding why it was the Jedi failed, and yet in Book of Boba Fett, both of them seem to be propping up that old order with this whole, like, no attachments bullshit, which only go ahead, like, it, it reinforces to me that Jon Favreau doesn't understand these characters or Star Wars at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let, let, I, I want to talk about the duel. I want to talk about the duel. Um, I think the duel is some of the most impressive, um, Star Wars lightsaber work in terms of like where we are. Cause like the thing is, is that like we obviously talk about the prequels and how like calculated and very, uh, very choreographed it feels. But I, mm-hmm. but like this is what made, okay, uh, I loved when we saw. I compare this fight to where we are with uh, with Kylo and Rey when we see them two in The Force Awakens. You know, uh, it's not – he – Obi-Wan is completely playing on the defensive side, you know. He is completely out of shape, as we could clearly tell. He's a bit winded. He's a bit winded, yeah. He's <laughs> getting a little bit old. <laughs> um as uh, as Leia lovingly says, you you look old enough to be my grandfather. <laughs> um, but but I digress. Uh, it is such a raw, almost spiritual, uh, a fight that we see between them because you see Vader and he's just pure rage and pure you know and all that stuff. And here you have somebody who's afraid to confront their own power, which is Obi-Wan. And that's what that's what Ray was, you know, because Ray, she was barely able to discover her she barely discovered her own power, you know. And this is all new to her. She's scared. She's scared to use what she has, you know, she's scared of what it could do, you know, versus you have and she's being, you know, thrown into uh into the wolves with somebody which is pure hate and rage you know and i think that is so fascinating where i feel like this is like this duel i i feel is quintessential star wars uh lightsaber work because of that because like because the thing about the duel is that it wasn't supposed to be this badass fight between two people no the way that george lucas pointed it out is that this is supposed to be a spiritual when people fight with a lightsaber it's supposed to be a spiritual experience for both of them because you have the two characters and they're just uh you have the yin and yang at each other at you know at all you know times so i I don't know i think the duel what did you what do you guys think of the duel i agree no it's 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 it was really good. Um, it was really good in the fact that it wasn't a good fight for Obi Wan. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's how I said earlier. Like you just feel everything that Obi Wan is feeling, you know, and that's good because <laughs> it's it means that it's working. It means you know, like you understand at least some people understand why it went the way that it did um like you understand the hate that Darth Vader has towards him like he literally set him on fire yeah um (laughs) if we know Anakin how long has he been planning that (laughs) 
<laughs> um, and and like even like the little like remarks that they throw at each other when he's like, um, "What have you become? I am." Yeah, what you, what made, you me. made me. You know that was such like a dig at him, and you know that like Obi Wan like felt it too. You and know because he feels so much regret. Yeah, he feels so much regret and. To throw that I am what you made me just as like that callous diss. I think uh, it's so good. And also, James Earl Jones is back, baby. He's he's so good. At, I don't know what they're doing with like the voice editing because he actually did come in. A lot of people think that, oh, you know, oh, they did the, the Luke Skywalker technology from Book of Boba. No, they he was actually in studio. They just synthesized it to match with what he sounded like in the original trilogy, and that's what they use that technology for, you know. But it's the same technology that that they use to crap out the AI. The AI technology that crapped out the Luke Skywalker lines and the other appearances, it's the exact same technology. But here they're utilizing it What happened here, James Earl Jones did record lines. Mark Hamill also recorded lines here. But let's not fool ourselves here. That's not what James Earl Jones sounds like today. We know that because we also heard his dialogue that he recorded in Rogue One, and we also saw the much more recent Lion King where he came back as Mufasa. Yeah. James Earl Jones does not sound like that because what you heard there was original trilogy era Darth Vader. They very much did use um, the technology to make it sound more like that. And I thought it worked a lot better here than with Luke if only because, well – um. Darth Vader doesn't have a mouth that, you know, you have to, like, sync the words to. Mm -hmm. If you go back and look at the Luke work with Book of Boba Fett, it's kind of out of sync a lot of the times when they're not... That's why they have to, like, cut away whenever Luke is talking um, because it's just not going to sync up with it. But, you know, it's like... Yeah. It's like Dr. Malcolm says in... uh, in a in Jurassic Park, you know, they spent all this time thinking, wondering if if uh, they could, that they didn't even uh, consider whether or not they should, you know. Uh, yeah. Look, the lightsaber um, element of Star Wars is a fascinating intersection because a lot of people expect very different things out of like the use of lightsabers and lightsaber duels particularly and again that that goes back into how like people see star wars as very different things um the over choreographed um super cool like actiony lightsaber duels are byproducts of the prequels and i think a lot of people myself included are very much dazzled by those, but I, I don't think any single one of them had the like. It's not what makes a, it a, interesting. Well, you know, when you look at the original trilogy, like duels, from a, like they're not like from a choreography choreography standpoint, they're not the most impressive, but they're everything they needed to be for those films yeah. and for the emotion of it, and overall enhances. The storytelling and and the way and what is supposed to be um, the whole point of those characters in the first place, it pushes the story forward. And here, um, what was really interesting about it was I felt like what we saw here was once again, like in service of the story, in service of the characters, and quite frankly, all of what it needed to be. If there are people out there that were disappointed that it wasn't more actiony or more choreographed, then I think they fundamentally misunderstand a lot of things, first of all. 
they misunderstand what Star Wars is. They misunderstand where these two characters are in this moment in time. And they misunderstand what was overall the point from Deborah Chow. And so clearly what happened here was... I was scared that we were going to get a big flashy lightsaber fight. Well, again, hold our breath, right? We have three more episodes to go. So let's be real about that. I mean, at least by then he'll be a little bit warmed up. So that's the thing here with with look a lot of people don't seem to remember like oh this is a we just saw him dig up a lightsaber he hadn't picked up a lightsaber in a decade the last time like layman's terms like you're gonna be rusty that's not I think a complicated concept yeah. to grasp people it shouldn't be even if you're a master and again somebody who cut himself off from the force you are gonna be weakened by it that just makes the most amount of sense right so you are gonna be relatively weak compared to a Sith Lord who has been murdering people people on a daily basis for a decade. Like, that can't be hard to grasp, first and foremost. Okay? So, clearly, Vader wiped the floor with Kenobi, and in retrospect, that's obviously what it should have been. On top of the fact... That and Kenobi listen, had no interest. He, he but, just yes. put up a fight. Like sure, but but at first Kenobi had no interest in engaging with him because yeah. he's still trying to grasp with. Oh my god, I created this yeah. monster. Yeah. When you when Vader approaches him and you have the the lightsaber lit up and he's, he's finally going to see what he's become. He's in shock. Mm-hmm. He's ashamed. He has all this guilt. Like he can't like in his mind get around the idea of of facing off against this monster that in in so many ways he's responsible for. Yeah. And so him running away from that is yeah. running away from the idea that he's responsible for this. This is not difficult to grasp, also, people. It's right there. He doesn't ignite the lightsaber out of... He just runs. Out of, out I was of laughing. Being, he just runs. Out of being <laughs> he said, like all the, right. He was like, fuck this. The only time he ignites it <laughs> is when he's scared. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so incredible. That's so incredibly well, well done. You know? Um, also, is- Vader was holding back people. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Clearly, he was he holding was, back. He was toying with him. Because yeah. He, I mean, this is like, this is his prize, like, you know, cut he's, of prime rib, shall we him. say, he's right? He's taunting him. He's, he's like, I know this, this is it. Yeah, yeah. Has your mother ever told you not to play with your food? This was so easily there in the text. Like, if people can't pick up on what is there, this tells me, and this is also, an, it establishes a pattern. Many of these Star Wars fans have no idea how to read the text of what is there in the storytelling, which then reinforces why so many of them, a lot of the actual like stuff that was in the text of The Last Jedi went over their heads. To me, it is fine if you don't like the arc that Finn has in Last Jedi. You're more than welcome to not like it. But the fact that so many can't even detect that an arc was there in the first place, again, just reinforces that by and large, a lot of these fans, they, it is explained. It is right there on screen. Yeah. And you, and you still have questions and you still like, wait, how did this make sense? And like, it's uh, honestly hopeless. Um, you are hopeless child. Absolutely. hopeless. Obviously this isn't the only time that we're going to see them go at it. There are, there no, is concept. Obviously not. There, is, there is concept art of them fighting on Mustafar. So also we see we see, <laughs> we see Mustafar. 
Like the edgelord Vader is. But I still, even then, like, yes, I, th- I think you will see a much better choreographed fight in the end of it. But I don't think people, I think, are fooling themselves if they believe for a second you're going to get anything close to what the prequels look like. Yeah, It's got to be close to what this looked like or what A New Hope was. And I know that a lot of people, like, dunk on A New Hope having, like, the worst lightsaber duel. It was the first one. That's the most interesting Obviously, but like, I think that's the most interesting like, duel. But they're two old men. That's the thing. And people don't seem to, to grasp that here. Yeah. Okay, fine. Um, Yeah, people are so dumb. But I will say it was deliciously petty of Vader to like, ignite those flames with that lightsaber. And to like, now you're going to feel what you put me through, bitch. And then he just like marinated him in those flames. <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I loved it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. The way that he contorted um, Obi Wan with the Force, I think, was absolutely like, ugh, give me the heebie-jeebies. I was like, what's gonna happen also, here? Yeah. My yeah. Just had the physical acting that Hayden Christensen is putting in mm-hmm. this show because, like, the mm-hmm. way that he moves in that Vader outfit, I think, is incredible work. Uh, I love it. I love it. And it also, it just, it, it reminds me, this whole, I think, a series with that episode in particular, it does remind you why Darth Vader remains such a beloved character. It reminds you, maybe even more than we've ever seen represented in live action, how terrifying he can be. Mm-hmm. The way that he was just like killing people left and right, and it was just walking. What I love, this and- one little detail. Wait, this one little detail with Obi-Wan when he just runs. And he's running. I love how Vader just, he doesn't run, he just walks. Kind of reminds me of Michael Myers in a way. Because Michael Myers, you never see him run. He just walks to his prey. Yeah. Because he knows he's going to get him in the end. And that, I think, adds to the whole scare factor of this version of Vader. Oh, and also, like, the tactics that he uses to, like, that you we see before. um, Like, him turning off his oxygen Mm-hmm. Um, to stalk his prey because we don't hear him like that's the dead giveaway of where he is but just little details like that I think are, are really Alexis good. you were saying? I forgot oh, sorry <laughs> I forget. oh oh the the like the scene in the town like that was very calculated on his part because he knew that oh. Obi-Wan was there he knew that he was watching him so he's like you know what I'm gonna just turn up the notch a little bit and do all this you know, mm-hmm. like, because I don't think that he would have done it if he wasn't there. No, no. Um, but, but he you know, felt he it. The did minute he thought he was there. He was... Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, exactly. that feeling, that feeling that uh, Obi-Wan had when he realized, oh, fuck, he's here. Yeah. Uh, good, good shit. Oh, I mean, it almost, also, it seemed like he was suffocating. Also, this moment makes me kind of tear up. Um, how he constantly, like, has that desperate plea to Qui-Gon throughout the show yeah. when he's saying master, you know, and I love the, like, I, cause he's scared. He's scared. And who else are you going to like, it's like somebody who's talking to a deceased parent, you know, and like, and like praying and doing all that shit. I mean, it, it feels like he's just trying to find a sense of comfort, you know, and, and cause he doesn't know what he's doing. Obi-Wan has zero clue of what he's doing, and neither yeah. did Luke, you know? And so that's why I find, like, his constant, like, callings out to 
Qui-Gon throughout the whole entire thing absolutely more tragic. You know, it's not there just to like say, hey, look, it's Qui-Gon. Remember him? Oh, by the way, we're definitely going to see uh, oh, I'm Liam so, ne- I'm ready. Liam I'm Neeson. ready. <laughs> I don't know if we'll see him. I think we'll hear his voice. I'm, I'm skeptical if Anything. Liam Neeson. I, I, I don't care. But I, Liam Neeson gave his voice to the Clone Wars. He'll be back here. Yeah. Voice. It, if it was, I, I, we may have, see a flashback. Who knows? Okay. To rehabilitate, you know he's going to go into a back to tank. We're going to see some flashbacks. We're going to see some fucked up flashbacks, I think. And it's Oh, what? A la Book of Boba Fett? Because <laughs> then he was in a back to tank like half the show, and then the half the show was like flashbacks? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, look, um, it was so fascinating. A lot of the other stuff that was, you know, here. Because um, it's so... That oh, go on. Go because it's so no, interesting. Because like several media outlets, like official media outlets for Star Wars, have put out that of like necessary watchings, uh, a necessary watch list before you watch Obi Wan, and uh, one of them was a Satine episode. So, <laughs> I mean, as it should be, right? So we're we're probably gonna get something out of that. Um. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Moreno. <laughs> they get Nicole Kidman to play Satine. <laughs> I would be so happy. <laughs> my whole world would just be one now. <laughs> uh, but oh my God. Like, it's so, it's such a good, like, show. And all that stuff. Obviously, okay, like, the way that we leave off Leia at the end, she's gonna get kidnapped by Reva. I think. Yeah. You guys think so? Yeah. Yeah, it it seems like that's that's the cliffhanger here, and that uh Obi-Wan's gonna be forced to come back and save her. That's probably why they go to... Mustafar. Yeah. Yeah. Which is wild. Leia and Mustafar. That's crazy. I, I think a development that's going to happen here. I think Reva also plays a part in all of this. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Someone... By the way, that was a really interesting start of the show. Considering oh, yeah, the... what happened that week. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, the Order 66 thing. Except it's not laughable. I don't think. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think that scene was was laughable like other presentations of order oh, 66 like the order 66 flashback in, we got in book, book of, of Fett, Fett, yeah. where luke was like let me share you your past trauma and let you relive yeah. it. oh my god david brought up something interesting where we could see that happen here but in in a proper way where what if obi-wan like uses the force to um you know um bridge forth um images of padme to leia Mm. now that would be a really interesting way like maybe a more proper way of like Uh using that particular method i'm thinking look but i mean um, you've got there's a difference between like memories that people have and force user memories i know i'm thinking also leia is maybe she's not showing it yet but let's be real here. Leia is the daughter of Anakin, the daughter of Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. She has now been captured by Inquisitors, and she's going to go to Darth Vader's castle, presumably. How long? 
until the fact that she's force sensitive is revealed. And to who? Mm-hmm. And that's not good. Or there's another element, which is what if someone pieces together why it was yeah. Kenobi was on Tatooine? Like why why particularly her and why like I mean, after he rescued her and she escaped, like that should be it. That should be his like saying, Oh, I failed, you know, she's taken by Vader now. You know, kind of thing. Like, why is he going through, you know, hell and back to f- try to get her back? You know, kind of thing. And that raises the question of, like, the importance of, like, the insignificance that I think is mm-hmm. is really... I don't know. But I'm scared. <laughs> I'm obviously scared yeah. for uh, for her. But I'm excited, too. I, uh, yeah. I should have looked forward to, you know? Yeah. Three more up. Finally, Disney uh, Disney Plus delivered a really good Star Wars show. Yeah, and it all all it had to do was remove John Favreau entirely from the equation. Who would have thunk it? Finally, some good fucking food. <laughs> uh, I'm loving this. I'm 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 reveling in Star Wars again, and it's it's absolutely refreshing. It's absolutely refreshing. It's it's good. Missed you, I have. <laughs> you know. Um but yeah. Kenobi. It's it, it it's good. I, I always thought that the proper Kenobi show should have been um the whole mall situation. But honestly, if we're gonna subdue that and and, and get this, we'll bring it on. Oddly, this feels much more appropriate than that Maul, I think, thing would have been. Because I know Maul had a lot of connection with Kenobi. That's true. But a lot of the stuff that's happening here feels like a very important Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. And in a, in a way that a lot of the other stuff just doesn't quite really matter all that much. Like, I feel like if I'm going to do... It's been a long time since I've done like a, a rewatch of Rebels. A lot of Star Wars things yeah. at once. No, a lot of Star Wars things, not just Rebels. I mean everything. <sighs> this would be if added I were to, to do a one... list. Yes. Basically. This would be added to a list of much wa- a must watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like episodes 1 and 2 are must watch as well, but they're so not maybe you can you can see them on in the background, but because like they're important to the story, but then also not really, and it's like ugh, whatever. Because then, yeah, it's a whole different thing. I have not seen every single like. Has anyone here like bothered to rewatch episodes one through nine in order? No. <laughs> no. I haven't. No. Well, you don't need to watch one episode one through three because they provide a g- brilliant recap at the beginning of Kenobi. So you don't need to spend all of those hours watching the, the yeah. prequels. But isn't that also something to add on to what you said earlier, Kyle? Mm. Or Alexis? I think Alexis was making the claim that, you know, Star Wars fans have always just been so full of shit with, like, you know, the people that they've, like, abused and then, like, they turn back around and, like, you know, welcome them with open arms. So, oh, I'm sorry about that, but now you're okay. This whole idea of, like, the Star Wars prequels, like, being okay and cool now with the inner, like, Star Wars crowd is just so... 
like what Alexa said, it doesn't sit right with you because it's look, the prequels were never good movies. No one is saying that. But as you know, in usual Star Wars fan fashion, they went well beyond the realm of what was acceptable to make that in terms known. of like in in terms of the criticism they dished out. Again, Jake Lloyd, Ahmed Best, George yeah. Lucas himself was like they burned yeah, George the Lucas that about that man. Yeah. And that wasn't it was never okay. And for them to like say, well, you see, well, I don't know what it was now, but like f- I'm happy for people who are our age that always liked those movies. I'm happy for for them that now those films are like more loved. But at the same time, it just reminds you that there are always a segment of of people in this fandom that are so overtly toxic and that behavior is never okay. But that cycle keeps happening. Yeah. I agree. And I would start my watch with the Clone Wars. I would not watch a visit one or two. Which Clone Wars, though? Would you put on the Clone Wars movie? No. Yeah. Because the Clone Wars is not particularly good. But then again, it introduces Ahsoka. Yeah. No, I would watch the whole thing. Because, well, that's my favorite Star Wars anything. So... The Clone Wars, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. I mean, the whole series, you mean? Mm-hmm. There's some really good Have you gone- Star Wars shit no, in yeah. there. So, like- some of the best. Some of the best ever. Alexis, did you ever go back and read uh, anything of the ancillary material that was released after the original uh, iteration of the of the series was canceled? Cause, like, there, was a, there was Son of Dathomir, the, the, the comic book. Which was like what happened to Maul after he was captured by Emperor Palpatine that you never saw on the show. There was also the novel. Yeah, the novel Dark Disciple, which showed what happened to Asajj Ventress and her relationship with Quinlan Voss, who we got a shout out yeah. here mm-hmm. in this episode. That Quinlan Voss was uh, basically helping uh, save passage to people. Basically, the, the Jedi version of the Underground Railroad, basically, so to speak. Oh, I, um, I, 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 I want to mm-hmm. read the Dark disciple one um mm. right Is now I'm, I'm reading um the leia one the leia oh that's right what's it called bloodline i think so uh bloodline is yeah, one of them yeah that, that's the there's one also that... another one um there's also the ahsoka book that came out yeah which i was read like that what one. happened to her mm-hmm. yeah those are written by I the same that. people right <laughs> ek johnston i think that's her name e ek johnston I don't know. I'm not too sure. I know E.K. Johnston did the novelized version of Dark Disciple, which I thought was amazing. The stories themselves, because the novel Dark Disciple is based off eight scripts uh, that were supposed to be eight episodes. It was a big arc mm-hmm. for Asajj Ventress in The Clone Wars, which were written by Katie Lucas, who also wrote all the Asajj Ventress stuff. In most of the Clone Wars uh, series, Katie Lucas, so, any relation to George? That's her. That that's his daughter. Oh shit! Okay, yeah, that's his daughter. Yeah, Katie Lucas wrote a lot of the Asajj Ventures stuff. That's pretty starting with cool. I think um, the Night Sisters arc. Nice in season three. Yeah, that's fucking cool. Mm-hmm. And you can you, can you believe she's not been asked to come back and work more? Yeah. What the fuck? George, what are they doing? Oh my god! These people. <laughs> Claudia Gray has written so many great novels. Can we get? Can we have her write a script for an episode or something? Hello. How, however, um, 
I hate to compare apples and oranges, but it is very possible. Um, sometimes book writers don't translate well to screen. No, not necessarily. And you're right because we have we have the example with but um. She did the dark, the venture stuff. Well, okay. To be clear, Claudia Gray. It, Claudia Gray has so far only done novels, right? She has not mm-hmm. written a screenplay for you know episodes or whatever. Yeah. Um, Katie Lucas did uh, write the scripts for the TV episodes. Katie Lucas did not go on and do the novelized version of her scripts. E.K. Johnston did. And I think E.K. Johnston, I think Kyle was right, also wrote the Ahsoka yeah. book. Yeah, me... uh-huh. I think she did. Yes, you're right. Yeah, I'm just going to look behind me. It's right there. So, yeah, that's where we're getting. We're getting. We have three people involved. E.K. Johnston, Claudia Gray, and Katie Lucas, all of which are very talented and should be. But Kyle is making the point that not necessarily a great novelist makes for a great screenplay writer. You are right. The problem, though, is I think it's a lot easier to do it for the TV episode, just one episode, just to, you know, to cut your teeth and try it out. J.K. Rowling went from from writing books to writing movies. That's a big leap. Quite the leap. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, like, the thing is, is that she's also, like, whether, you know, credited or not, she also, like, produced the whole entire Harry Potter series. So, she yeah. knows how the sausage is made, you know. So, I, I wouldn't consider it that big of a leap um, just on that merit alone. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, I think evidently it was. Because look how bad the movies that she wrote were. <laughs> so clearly there was something that was well, an issue. I there. had heard that this one was going to be slightly better because the guy who did the script for the Harry Potter movies worked on this one, didn't he? Apparently. Well, I'm well. far more confused than I was before, so. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but this show, this fucking, this fucking show, <laughs> to quote the man himself, it's fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi. It, <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. I, I, I have no complaints whatsoever so far. Um, oh, uh, we, we, men- we mentioned, uh, Quinlan Voss, uh, O'Shea, O. O'Shea Jackson, I think Junior. I think that's his. That's his name. Uh, Ice Cube's son. Mm. He's set to be in this show. I guarantee you, he's playing Quinlan in this. I maybe. I, so um, that's my prediction. Um, I I I'm I, I love this show. I I'm 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 happy to be a Star Wars fan again. You know, it's so it's so nice. It's so nice to be it's it's good to be back, you know, as it were. And I I can't wait for the next three. I can't wait like I, I get it. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. But I mean the way that it's going so far, I mean halfway through, it's it's pretty it's pretty well done so i i i have faith i have faith that it's gonna be good for the rest of the duration i don't know i don't know what do you think moreno 
I think so too. I hope. But either way, like I said in the beginning, I'm happy with what we have. And if yeah. the rest don't work out, I'll just watch the first three again. Yeah. Basically, that's where I'm at as well. Okay. I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, thank you, Kyle, and thank you, Alexis, for being on this uh, wonderful podcast. As a reminder to everyone else listening at home, we've got a lot of content coming up with uh, for you in the coming weeks. Uh, when Peter comes back, we'll talk about Stranger Things 4. Maybe we'll also get into Top Gun Maverick, and then Jurassic World, Dominion, and then also Lightyear. And don't forget Thor 11 Thunder is also around the corner. And whatever whatever else might be dropping, there's also, I think, Miss Marvel. So there's a lot of content happening. And we'll be here to cover as much as we possibly can here on uh, Red Spotlight. Stand our spotlight for more content. Every Sunday, there's a new podcast here on Red Spotlight. Thank you all so much, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.